0: yo everybody welcome back to thought criminals i've got the flu i've been on the verge of death for several days but despite the body aches and this feeling in my head like i just got smashed in the head in the face with a Sledgehammer. <laughs> I'm here today to provide you with content. Oh, man. Struggling, guys. Struggling. We've got Danielle Kepex on the show today. Absolutely love her. Love her content. I also love that she's in the Patreon. She's within, in the Politically Homeless Premium community, which just feels good. It feels good to have people like Danielle in the Premium community because she's a great thinker, and she is a thought criminal. She's also... A physician's assistant, a fertility educator, a nutrition coach, and just fit as shit. I mean, guys, you need to go follow Danielle. It's Danielle Kepix on Instagram. You can find the link in the show notes of this show. Your girl's jacked. She is jacked. She also loves fitness dogs in the outdoors. We've got so much in common, but the, the real common thread that we explore in this podcast, in this episode, is our passionate disdain for the American healthcare system. And I think about that from my perspective, generally, um, as a man, just a human human man, I have to deal with some bullshit, right? But I don't have to deal with the bullshit that women have to deal with when it comes to the American healthcare system. And women bear the brunt of many things when it comes to birth control, menstrual cycles, being told they're not normal for... Things that are normal and we're going to break a lot of that down. This is one of those episodes where I really don't have a lot of experience having a period. Apparently men can have periods now. I don't know. I've never had one, um, but I do have a pretty solid understanding of like the endocrine system and how that works within a man, but women are different and the way that they're manipulated in our sick care system that is propped up by pharmaceutical companies Um is really unjust, and I wanted to have Danielle on to really dive into that specific topic. So we have a great time, good, long conversation. I think there's a lot here to learn. Guys, I know periods might be a little bit, make you a little queasy, but grow the fuck up. You're really going to learn a lot from this, and I think it's really important, because as I go into you know hopefully having kids here pretty soon and doing that kind of thing, I wanted to learn more about this, and actually, you know, I'll use this podcast to learn things that I want to know, and hopefully you want to know, too, and I hope that you enjoy it. We get into some really, really good stuff here. Also, I will say that you should join Danielle in the Politically Homeless Premium community. You get these episodes early. You get them ad-free. Of course, this is ad-free. We we're going to move into ads next week, but... um check it out guys i'm i'm struggling (laughs) struggling to make words god damn it (laughs) this is the real stuff right here this is this is the real me behind the scenes i probably would have uh would have redone this intro but this is like the fourth time and i'm just struggling to get through it my head is splitting but anyways join the patreon guys there's lots of good stuff in there bonus episode of politically homeless every week uh thought criminals episodes early you get to ask questions for the guests all kinds of fun stuff you guys are awesome thank you so much for being here i hope you enjoy the show with danielle definitely go find her on instagram if you have any questions or want to work with her reach out to her on instagram at danielle again the link is in the show notes and the link for the patreon is in there as well now everybody enjoy the show with danielle Kepix. danielle welcome to thought criminals Glad to have you here Thanks straight from the Patreon, me. straight from the Patreon to the podcast. How does that feel?
1: I love it. We're <laughs> <Super laughs> excited. I was super, super jacked to be considered somebody who is what I, what I. the words I've always used are like a disruptive thinker, um, thought criminal, same thing. Um, I highly identify with that term. So stoked to be here.
0: Good deal. So we need to go off the top. You, we listed these off before the show just to make sure that you're not a Looney Tune. Um, what are your, what are your qualifications? Are you an authoritative (laughs) authoritative authoritarian authoritative source?
1: Yeah. So my name is Danielle Kepix. I am a certified physician assistant going into my eighth year of practice. Um, before becoming a physician assistant, I earned a master's degree in counseling psychology and a bachelor's degree in psychology. I'm seconds away from becoming a certified fertility educator. I've spent the last year preparing to take that final exam, which I'm actually doing after this recording. Um, before that I was a personal trainer. Um, and I'm also a certified nutrition coach. So I have a pretty um diverse CV in being a healthy human, I like to call it.
0: Yeah. And for those of you for those of you that can't tell, even the video or audio version, uh, Danielle is fucking jacked and <laughs> was rep did like 14 pull-ups in a one video the other day. I was like, straight up, just like strict pull-ups, no big deal. I was impressed. Girls with upper back yeah. strength, and you'll not recognize this as a personal trainer. When I was a trainer and strength and conditioning coach. I was like, would try to help these women develop strong upper backs because they just don't like it with women. That's a hard thing to overcome. And when you would, if you ever like watch the CrossFit games or something, something like that, that's what dif- differentiates women. It's like, if you have like traps and your scaps are like stable and strong and you've got lats, like it, to me, I'm just, when I see that, like there's something in my brain, I think is as a strength coach. I just pick this up where I look at that and I'm like, I need to breed with that person. Like I need <laughs> to make more people with that person. Like, I don't know. I didn't, it's like, it's just, a, it's an innate desire evolutionarily to just spread my seed with, with, with superior human beings.
1: That's hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. My back has always like, it's the first thing to like blow up when I like, I don't know, I've lifted since I've been 12 years old. So I've been lifting for a quarter century now. Um, and like when I, I think I know the video you're talking about and Sal actually commented on, and he goes, damn. And I was like, I have arrived. Sal has <laughs> given me a compliment. <laughs> Yeah. I fucking died. I was like,
0: Ugh! I was yeah, so dude, those guys are so funny. And Sal is such, such a fun guy to me. I was, I was hanging out with them one time and I never really did like bodybuilding style stuff or really cared that much about it. And I was like a fat kid. So like me being, you know, getting strong was like my thing. I was like, I'm never going to have like a ripped six pack and like all this other stuff, but I can like, I can get, I can get big. I can be strong. Like I had that part of me and they were looking at me. I was doing something. I think we were messing with like heavy ass kettlebells and like odd objects and stuff. And they're like, you've never done any bodybuilding stuff. And I was like, it doesn't interest me. It was Adam who said that actually the, the one that's like, who's, who's more into it now, I think. And yeah. he did more shows and he has pro card and stuff like that. Yeah. It just never really, I was like, if I can't, I'm, I like to pick stuff up and move it around. Like that's my kind of thing. I was like, I'm not sitting here doing like half reps to get my pecs huge. Like that's, you know, I could take, yeah. I think I benched 365 at 19 years old, like without any formal training. Like, just, we were, just, and I was the only one of my friends that I worked out with that bench less than 400 as teenagers. It was so, and I think oh the only reason was because I have really long arms, but it was weird. Yeah, it was you
1: like, got, you, you are lanky.
0: It was, I'm not definitely not built for the bench press or the squat. I could weightlift no. okay, but even the sports, I was like, I always competed in sports that I like, wasn't really built for in <laughs> positions. I was that like. Sucks. No. It was what it was, but I enjoyed them. It. it was so fun. And the strength of the world is really, The strength and conditioning world is really, really fun. I enjoy, I enjoyed the shit out of that. And I also, that was my introduction to like, really went from, you know, wanting to be strong into wanting to be healthy, which I think is an appropriate shift. That's how you get into like Rob Wolf, like I'm drinking Element right now. Yeah, you you get into it. I mean, it was dumb at first. You got it too. (laughs) We, um, it was dumb at first, right? Cause we were, we were training as CrossFitters when I got out of college. And I was like, we're going to do, we're going to train our asses off. Right. And that was also during the same time that was like 2010. So that was like, also eat low carb paleo. Right. So we're like training like three or four hours a day. And my endocrine system just went into the complete shitter. Fucked. It was done. (laughs) I was ruined. And it was like, Like,
1: let's, let's participate in a glycolytic demand sport, but not like replenish any of our glycogen.
0: Oh, 1000 percent So then I get finally get my blood work done and I'd hired a coach. His name was Max L. And He's really, he's a training think tank guy. And knowing that I'm like, I was never a games athlete, like my games was getting to regionals as an individual. And I got so goddamn close <laughs> it was really frustrating. Um, as a as a guy my height, it was really hard to get in there. Uh, but we looked at my testosterone and my yeah. testosterone levels were at like old man levels. They were it's hammered. Cause so I was training my ass off and I just was getting fitter. Like my aerobic capacity was getting better and better and my, you know, my like, um, but anaerobically power wise, strength wise, I just couldn't make gains. And it was the weirdest thing. And you look at that and it's like, oh, this is just, you fucked your, you fucked your endocrine system up. It's ruined. So then he was like, you can take three years off and kind of like get a little fat and just do a bunch of like anabolic style workouts and get yourself right. Or you can take gear and like, that's just where we're at, you know? And I was like, well, like I'm, you know, what is that? 24. I was like, I'm not gonna, (laughs) I was like, I'm not taking three years to I don't know. Like, I don't care about that right now. Like whatever, like let's, let's, let's go find some testosterone. And it fucking changed everything to the point where now I'm about to get back on testosterone again. And I talked about this with Sal as well, because I talked him into getting on testosterone and it's the, because he, he didn't, he was so dialed in that he looked great, but he didn't feel good. And I was like, dude, check it out. And he, as jacked as he was had like abnormally low testosterone. And it was a lot of his age thing yeah. and having kids. And so much of that stuff, I mean, that even puts you in like a thought criminal category by itself because people think, oh, it's steroids and or it's this. And it's like, dude, you guys have no idea. It is the most psychologically beneficial drug I've ever taken in my life. It's better than a nootropic. Yeah. It's better than alpha brain. It's like it changes your because your hormones decide like they make your decisions mm. for you oftentimes. Like, Uh-oh. are you going to be more risk? Uh,
1: you have no idea how true that statement is. Dude. People like, don't think about that.
0: that. At all,
1: it's so crazy.
0: It's like from work yeah, to fucking I, to all kinds of shit. It's like it's it's just it's it it changes your like risk calculation. It's fucking weird.
1: Yeah, when I um, started really getting into female hormone stuff, um, and I started learning about how much hormones control who we are as people, and that's how I kind of started getting into the, some of the thought processes and learning about like what birth control does to women and how it controls our brains. And women leave their partners when they come off birth control because they're just like not the same person. All the time. And I try to talk to like my physician counterparts about this shit. And they're like, oh, hormones are just so fickle. I just don't bother with them. And I'm like, please hold. I'm like, you know, if if you feel that way and you people who want to discuss those things, can you just send them to me so that you're not completely dismissing their needs? Cause that'd be great. Thanks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I mean, a perfect example of that in my own life was we're doing IVF right now. So I was born for whatever reason without vast deference, or it happened when I was young. So I ended up like had not having I, and it's a very rare. I think it's like. Three percent of men with fertility issues have this issue, which is actually good because it's a plumbing issue, not a production issue. So if you yes. if you're all the way intact and you're having trouble, then that's a bet. Then you're like, okay, this could be weird. For me, Correct. it's like all the swimmers were there; they just weren't. They had nowhere to go. <laughs> you know, yep. They're trying to party, and they're like, well, I got no exit route here. Um, so they had to go in with the needle and do all that kind of stuff. But Kelly had no fertility issues at all. So, but they had to, they put her and she wasn't, I'm not really sure they had to do this with IVF. I think they have, they have a system, of course, but they put her on birth control and she hadn't been on birth control since she was like a teenager. And they do it to like regulate your, it's like just for, it's just for like two weeks so that your cycle is very predictable. That's what they're looking for. So that way they can like plan this like scheduled out implant. And I think they do that with women that have fertility issues. And I think there's a reason for that. I'm not really 100% sure on why or how that goes, because they have to essentially artificially create and and harvest a bunch of eggs, right? As many as they can. So
1: I don't understand how, listen, I know nothing about the infertility world. I I like to stay in my lane, but I do know a lot about the menstrual cycle and hormones. And what the birth control pill does is it shuts your cycle down. You are not cyclical. You are static yeah. on, the, on the birth control pill. So it actually stops your body from producing FSH and estrogen. And FSH is the first hormone to rise in a menstrual cycle, which stimulates those eggs to be, to become larger, um, the, the follicle to develop, I should say. So you're actually stopping the production of that. So I'm really confused.
0: <laughs> yeah. And- not
1: making any sense my brain.
0: I mean, there's gotta be a reason for some, I don't think she, since she did had no issues, I don't think it, we were like, talked about it later and we're like, I don't know if that was necessary or not, but they, you know, they have, they have the best success rates in the country. So it's like, you want to have a kid, you kind of do, I, I don't understand that stuff that much, but she knows a lot about birth control and, and she's super interested in that stuff and she hated taking it. It turned her into a fucking crazy person, dude. Like yeah. a, and I've, and you don't think about that. Cause like, I feel bad because these girls that get on this stuff at a young age. And I understand that Like, we've had that conversation. It's like, I don't want my teenage daughter getting pregnant. I also don't want, I'm not going to like sure. scare her away from sex. Like that's another thing. I think it's like a, sure. a problem as well. So it's like, there's, it's a double-edged sword here. And I'm like, well, what's the least impactful situation here. But then again, with these girls that are 14, 15, when you're a 14 or 15 year old kid, you're already a fucking crazy person. Right. So it's like, yes. you wouldn't even think that it was the the thing that you're taking, right? This drug that you're taking, that's like fucking with your hormones, hormones and whatever else, like, cause you can write that all off as just being a teenage girl, <laughs> right? It's like, that's what it right. is. But, but then that becomes your normal life. And I think like, I'm just curious, what kind of downstream effects does that have on a person? Like in the worst case scenario? I mean, a lot of people, I think just like the vaccine or anything else, like most people are probably going to be Okay. You know, like we're pretty we're human beings are pretty resilient creatures, but what do you see in that kind of stuff when girls get on birth control at what 12, 13, like, and Dude. I remember girls, whatever I was in, like, they was, get, they were getting it to like help with acne and stuff. It was just, it, it, not, even then I was like, what, like, what is that? Why?
1: Yeah. So you were touching on like all of the things that fucking boil my blood. I know. Like, that's why we're on this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. But like, You're like visibly pissed, pissed, pissed off. You're visibly pissed off on yeah. Instagram. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I know that. I make that face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Right. So um, I actually had a girl recently who came to me. She's in her early 20s and she was put on birth control before she ever had a period. Okay. Are we kidding here? Um She was put on birth control for cysts, which birth control can actually cause cysts if people don't know that. Um, As far as what I think you're asking me is like, what are the effects that we can see in these women and girls who are put on birth control at a very young age? So I think a fair answer to any of this is it depends. Any with nutrition, with exercise, with medicine, with anything is it depends, right? Some people are on birth control for 15 years; they come off, they're fertile fucking myrtle, and they've got no problems, right? Where my issue comes into play is that we are using the birth control pill as 60% of women are on birth control for non-contraceptive reasons, right? So meaning it's for acne, it's for um, painful periods, heavy bleeding. And what I turn around and ask women, as I say, and I say this to men, if they're in the room too, if there was a pill that could fix your acne or your cramps or your testicular pain or whatever it was, and it shut down your production of natural testosterone, would you take that pill or would you give that to a man? I have not had one person say yes to that. And that is the equivalent of what are we are doing to women when we put them on the birth control pills. It is chemical castration. So it's, I don't care if it's low dose. I don't care if it's whatever, you know, I'm talking about the birth control pill. There are different mechanisms of action for the IUD, which I can get into, but, um, you are cutting off the communication between the anterior pituitary gland, which, which. Um, is in control of your FSH and your LH and your gonads, your ovaries, which produce your estrogen and progesterone. Um, So I think it's very odd. And I put a post out recently about this, that we have a generation of women my age, so I'm going to be 38 this month, um, who were put on the birth control pill at, like you were saying, the ages 12, 13, 14, 15, stayed on it for 10 years. And a lot of them were put on birth control because they have heavy periods, painful periods, things that actually have like root causes and things you can, I don't know, treat instead of put a bandaid on, um, and we have a generation of women who have fertility problems. And now do I know for certain that the birth control pill contributed to that? No, but do we think that maybe addressing those problems and finding the reason for that and treating that and helping that woman with her period problems instead of shutting down her cycle completely contributed to it? Yeah. Because all of those issues come rip roaring back whenever, um, whenever you come off of the pill, I don't know if you've, um, you know of her, but Dr. Jolene Brighton wrote wrote a book called beyond the pill. And she talks about, she coined the term called post birth control syndrome. And what happens when all of these women come off birth control, right? Mm -hmm. So this happened to me and I came off a very severe, um, caloric deficit. I, was guided very poorly and was under eating significantly. And I was eating two thousand calories a day. Okay, so that's how much food I require now. <laughs> I way more than I. My maintenance Sal like shit himself when I told him my my maintenance calories were like twenty five to twenty seven hundred. He's like, holy shit! Yeah, that's I believe that. Be, like, yeah, that. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> I, you know, when I came off of birth control, I blew up. I gained weight. I felt awful. I mean, it was so psychologically hard for me. and I didn't have period problems. I was just on birth control for birth control. Like, I just didn't want to be fucking pregnant. Yeah. You know, we never want kids. So, yeah. Um, un- unlike you, like we, my man's fixed because we're like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Oh. So, um, <laughs> you know, we 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 clamped that shit off. Uh, well,
0: that's that's the. That, I was born with a vasectomy. That's the whole issue. So, like, I'm straight. Yeah. I could like, I could have, I was actually cool with that. I was like, this is, I was like, good. Cause I really wasn't careful in college. So that probably would have probably actually worked out to my benefit. Cause I was like, right. I was like, ah, whatever. Bunch we'll of fucking out.
1: little politically homeless dudes running around. Yeah.
0: You know? I mean, um, I, yeah. Now I'm trying to tell, get Kelly to like give away our extra embryos to random people so I can spread that seed. But anyways, we'll talk about that later. She does not, she do is that- not about that.
1: I thought about donating eggs. Cause I'm like, fuck it. I don't want kids. They give you a bunch of money for that shit. I was like, that's kind of creepy. A bunch of little me's running around. Like, I don't know. I felt creepy about it. Not judging anyone. I only judge people who don't like dogs. Um, <laughs> like if you don't like dogs, we have a fucking problem. You yeah. It, is, weird. it, it is a weird
0: deal. But so yeah. your, your post, your post, what is it? Po- post birth control syndrome.
1: Yeah. And what, it, so yeah.
0: you gained weight, your mood, I'm yeah, sure it's so all over the place. Of,
1: So what I probably had was, you know, there's a a bunch of different types of PCOS. And I was probably experienced a type of post pill PCOS. Most of the time, if women do the right things to come out of that, they do come out of that. And it is a temporary state. Um, It took me six months to get a menstrual cycle back. Um, Yeah, I mean, I put on a ton of weight. I mean, my sleep was all over the place. My body composition completely changed. I mean, I could show you pictures and you'd be like, holy cow, you're a totally different." looking human, you know, mood swings. Definitely. It felt like almost at, like I could tell my, my hormones are trying to kick back on because I would cry. I would this like, and I'm like, what am I crying at? And then my period wouldn't start. And it took probably nine or 10 months, um, total to get my period back. And for it to, um, I hate the term regulate. I hate that. Um, but to kind of get back on track.
0: Yeah. So with, not fun. with, when you're on the pill, you brought up, testosterone. And I think we we need to discuss this a little bit because testosterone plays a huge role, right? Free testosterone, total testosterone. I mean, there's a lot, there's a ton of factors in there. They don't really explain this to you. And this isn't something that gets tested often. And I'm like, low testosterone is correlated with so many illnesses and even injuries. It's like, why is this not, I mean, I would, I used to get my testosterone checked once every 12 weeks, probably like once a quarter ish. And it would cost me like $600. Like LabCorp would just give you a surprise bill of like $600. And I'm like, these are basic tests. I'm not getting super. It's like, it's tests that I could read and be like, okay, here's my estradiol, Here's my testosterone free total, blah, 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 blah. Okay. This looks pretty good. I was also on anabolic. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't overdoing it. That was a big thing for me is like, whenever I am on anabolics or anything like that, which I'm really excited about doing again, as I keep bringing up, cause I'm just like chomping at the bit to Be a superhuman again. It's like I find what is the highest normal? Like, what does a freak have, right? Because like in NFL, people have like a freak normal level, right? What is that? With somebody who's not on anything? Because then you have like bodybuilders who are like super freaks, so they're like way like I would consider overdoing, like their organs grow and stuff. Whereas like what is like a normal high? And I just try and get to like normal high human, not adjusted for anything else. That's where I like kind of just stay, right? Which is around that like. Eight hundred to a thousand total, and then a really like high normal free, which I feel for a man is like high. But then you look at like what a bodybuilder's like twenty five hundred total. It's like fucking insane. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, they're talking
1: about like liver damage and all kinds of like you can you can really overdo it. And yeah, um, you know, for me a big thing when I'm when I whenever I'm looking at HRT and I'm not against HRT, I'm totally for it. Yeah. Um, I want to know. I I'm always trying to look for the root cause and trying to like modify those types of things because with I mean this probably isn't, you know, this isn't true for you but um you know obesity nutrient deficiencies, um overexercising undereating alcohol people hate me when I start talking about their fucking booze man yeah. but like it jacks with your hormones like does. i i and overexercising is another big one like i have these you know fucking cardio bunnies that come in and they're you know on their goddamn stairmaster kicking their leg back for 3 hours a day and i'm like first of all that's not going to give you the look you want but you do you girlfriend Um, And second of all, you're killing your hormones. So like, and for women, like, I mean, testosterone for men and women, it's, it's involved in our body composition, right? So um, building, building muscle recovery, our skin health, libido, um, all of these things. And you're just, you're working against yourself. (laughs) Like it's, it's such a vicious cycle for so many people doing those things. So yeah, that, that's really what I want to get into you know, here.
0: I, is like, you, it's pretty clear what the role of testosterone is with, is with men, right? It's an associated with like masculinity yeah. because we do have higher levels. But what I want to get into is like, what is the role of testosterone when it comes to women, and why is it important to understand that?
1: Yeah, I mean, body composition also for women, like I said, it, it's kind, it kind of does the same things. Really, it's just we need less of it. Fun fact, um, we actually, women actually produce more as, um, testosterone than estrogen, um, but we go through, there's a process called aromatization. You've probably mm-hmm. heard of aromatase blockers for men when they're, you know, um, blocking that process to keep more testosterone whenever they're like on testosterone. Okay, HCG um, does a lot that, of men I believe, will take right. Like anast- anastrozole. Um, yeah, um, so yeah, HCG will do that as well. So body composition, sleep, recovery, um, just feeling good in general, having energy um sex drive is a huge one our skin skin health is is really dependent on um testosterone as well those are some of the biggest ones that i can think of but overall i mean the energy and how people feel is is by far the biggest in the body composition 100
0: and it's so it's it, it is game changing like as far as and it's, it's a weird thing we're like you're even more assertive like there's it's a, it's a strange it's a strange deal but i love it i don't
1: know that i need more of that yeah
0: i don't either but it's it's going <laughs> to happen we'll see um i just want my neck to be bigger than my head again that was that was really what i was going for that's the aesthetic and then you're going like. to have to
1: worry about a uh, sleep apnea yeah,
0: right. <laughs> it's already i already I already snore too much i think kelly gets mad at me oh man but our dogs are louder than me so it works out they they, they drown me out so as far as you talked about like other factors, right. Cause I mean, I'm not necessarily like advocating everybody get on testosterone replacement therapy or hormone therapy, but what are some of the most common things you see that impact that specifically with women? But I know it's going to be, it's correlate, but like I can talk about the dude stuff all day, but like with women particularly, because I think this is overlooked all the time. You get the birth control issue is one, but like what other like like lifestyle factors are really impacting that for people?
1: Yeah. So, um, first and foremost, I would say sleep, um, sleep is incredibly important for our bodies to restore, um, and repair and all of those things. Um, it's also involved in our hormone processes, um, our GNRH, um, which it comes from the hypothalamus, which is involved with talking to our anterior pituitary with our FSH and LH. Um, so sleep is a huge one for me. It is, it is free. So I know everybody's always like, oh, it's healthy. It's so expensive to be healthy. Guess what? Sleep is free, bitches. Okay, so <laughs> seven to nine hours of sleep. I don't care if you think you feel great on five. You're full of shit. If you start sleeping seven, you're going to be like, how did I ever survive? Okay. Um, another big one is stress management. So we live in a world where... Um, You know, stress is not really well defined to us, I don't think. You know, Um, everyone thinks of like, oh, I'm getting cut off in traffic or I had a fight with my spouse. And yes, like those are definitely stressors in your life. But things that people aren't thinking about are like the toxic load, the things that I'm putting on my body. Like, how, what does my liver have to do to filter all this bullshit that I'm putting in it? If you're drinking too much alcohol, you're smoking. Um, Yes, of course, emotional stressors, um, passive every little day stressors. I give this example all the time of like, like when my baseboards get dirty, it just like grinds my gears and I'm just like, oh my God, the fucking baseboards. But like those types of things that we passively take in over exercising, under eating, not getting enough calories, eating like treating your body like a trash can um, not getting enough fiber. I mean, I, I could go on and on about different types of stressors and finding ways to mitigate that. So I love breath work. I love meditation, um, yoga. Um, I don't do it as much as I really probably need to, but I go once or twice a week and it has been life-changing for me. Um, so I highly recommend that like my body connection and dealing with that therapy. If you don't have a therapist, find one. Um, Like I said, I was a therapist before I became a PA. So I have a huge, huge respect for mental health and spirituality and the mind-body connection. Um, So dealing with your stressors and having downtime, um, that's something that I haven't done well the first two weeks of March. Um, And the second half of March is going to look vastly different for me because I overdid myself. doesn't happen often, but my aura ring was like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like Jesus Christ stop. I know I already said this with the stressors but I want to drive this point home especially to your female listeners but it happens to men too. Overexercising, undereating. I was also very active in CrossFit. Um my highest finish was 144th in my region. Um so I was not, maybe not quite as competitive as you but I was that's a pretty solid finish for somebody who was in PA school full time. Yeah, yeah, and then my um,
0: my like top I was like barely in the top 100 a couple times.
1: Yeah, so yeah. I mean, made I was that top pretty, sixty.
0: Fuckers. You know,
1: I mean, <laughs> high intensity exercise for someone trying to fix any type of hormone issues—it's a big no-no. I mean, the Mind Pump guys talk about this all the time too, and it's like you are just pumping your body with cortisol and working out fasted. Big no-no for women. Intermittent fasting. Big no-no for women. All of those original studies that showed all of that benefit actually came from studies in men. And when we looked at it, when it was happening, what was happening in women, we found. That their kisspeptinergic system, which is a system in your brain which talks to your hypothalamus to um, start the pulsations of that GnRH to talk to your anterior pituitary, your kiss peptinergic system shuts down when you stress it too much. And intermittent fasting was doing that to this to these women. Um, so I really try to get my women to stay away from that. Um, you know, eating a, eating three meals a day. Half a plate of fruits and vegetables, quarter plate of protein, quarter plate of starches and healthy fats. Like, make sure sh- you, most women have been undeating. So then they've gone through metabolic adaptation, they have poor metabolic flexibility um, you know, like we were saying, I mean, my maintenance calories are somewhere between 2,500 and 2,700. That's a lot of food. I'm a five foot, 4, 130 pound female for reference for people who, I don't know if this is going to be like pictured or if people can see me or yeah. whatever, but
0: well, I mean, my wife, Kelly went through a lot of that too. We were talking about this and I actually kind of pushed her into like eating more and like, especially eating a lot yeah. more protein. Cause she's, I mean, she's 160 pounds. She's six foot one. Right. And she was, shit. yeah. She, well, she played volleyball at USC and even then, but then like girls that play sports like get into, she's talked about this publicly. So I'm not sharing any like private information, but like get into like eating disorders a lot. Right. So from sports to then TV. So it's just like, that was like eating less and dude, she ate, started eating more, right. She started eating kind of like what I eat basically, which was like rice, meat, <laughs> like eggs, bacon, yeah. you know, coffee, whatever. Yeah, Like that's kind of like my, I, I feel the best if I, I mean my buddy, Jesse and I, he was a um, He's an OPEX coach that is at, owns a gym down in Austin, Texas. Okay. We we were like doing OPT stuff back in the day, like when it was yeah, big d-
1: when it was still OPT,
0: right? <laughs> it was OPT, I did I have OPT. I used to have an OPT shirt. I still wish I had it because it was like a relic. Um, I know. When we went to the OPT, I did OPT uh, lifestyle design um, program, design uh, assessment, uh, nutrition, all that stuff, and it. it, it it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Cause like at first in CrossFit, especially at that time, we were just beating our dicks into the dirt a couple of times a day. <laughs> right. And then it's like, Oh, there's a difference between training and testing. And that was like such a novel concept, you know, and James Fitzgerald became a friend of mine. And again, I hired a coach. That's those so guys. funny.
1: Do you know, um, Jim Crowell?
0: I met him one he time. He worked
1: with him for a while. Yeah. So I, I think he was, he was one, one, one he of my was, coaches in Pittsburgh.
0: He was at my, uh, he and I did the same program design seminar, I think. Back in and the then, day. do
1: you know, you know, Marcus Philly?
0: I actually do functional bodybuilding now. I don't, I never met Marcus. We have a lot of, we're like one degree. We know we have a lot of mutual friends, but I've never come around him. He seems like such a sweet guy though. I've heard nothing but amazing things about Marcus.
1: So his wife is my therapist.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. I didn't know she was a therapist. That makes so much sense. She's
1: fantastic. But these,
0: like this the thing though, and you still see this, like we have a friend of ours who's still like, and she'll send me her workouts from CrossFit, right? And I'm like, you're still doing the same shit. It's the same shit. It's like five, three, five, five, three, three, one, one, back squat or deadlift, whatever, some stupid fucking bullshit. And then like a wad. And I'm like, dude, that shit's so dated. What are you doing to yourself? I'm like, what if you spent a whole day just doing aerobic interval work? And what if you spent a whole day just lifting? It's like, why? I love CrossFit. I think CrossFit is so great. And there's so many good coaches. Like our gym, it wasn't an OPEX gym, but it was basically an OPEX gym right? And like yeah. function Marcus with his functional bodybuilding stuff is the most fun training I've done in the past. I couldn't, it's been, I took years of just being a beat up old CrossFitter with like my back was all fucked up. My shoulder was fucked up. I was doing Muay Thai. And then like my back freaked out from kicking. It was just like, I'd beat myself up, mm-hmm. but I was, I Too knew much. I knew what I wasn't doing. I knew what I was doing wasn't healthy. And I understood the value proposition and the cost associated with it. I wasn't convincing myself that being a competitive athlete was healthy. Being a competitive athlete in any sport is not healthy. That's not what it's for. So I geared my classes and my coaching to represent that. It's like am I te- coaching an athlete or am I coaching a human person that wants to like look good and feel good? And it looks very similar to what functional bodybuilding is now, which is like a kind of a pre-fatigue warm up, a couple of supersets, and then like some relative intensity. But really, even then, he puts thrott- what I call them throttlers in there, where you have it makes you kind of slow down, right? So you're doing more like. Unless it's a glycolytic work, you're doing a lot of creatine phosphate battery work, like CP battery work and doing like more interval stuff like that, which is so fucking sustainable and so healthy. And then when you want to go for it and like go full send and like put your dick in the dirt just every now and then to see if you can still do it, you can go for it. But like what ended up happening was that doing these, you're doing these high intensity exercises all the time. And then you get dampened. It dampens you. So you now lose instead of what you would think is you do. Oh, I'm gonna do more high intensity stuff. It's going to make me have a higher level of intensity. And what it does is actually blunt your ability to go to intensity because you've normalized an 80% as a, as a 100%. And you're not able to tap in and go to that dark, dark place when you really need to on a 10 minute, minute uh, you know, assault bike test or a 2k row. Or a Fran type thing, which is, you know, a whole thing. But like, you need to be able to like turn it on and go there, which is the same, which is such an an allegory for life, right? It's like function yourself at like 80%. And then when you need to fucking go for it, like go for it. And you have the capacity to do that. But these people just like dampen down their energy systems in a way that doesn't really provide anything. And you're just crushing yourself with cortisol. Your testosterone goes to shit. Your appetite goes to shit. Your sex drive goes to shit. And it's like, guys, it's not that hard to like, all you have to do is like it's simple, dial it back, dude, throw some rest in between your rounds. Like it's not that big of a deal. Have a, a you know rate of perceived exertion scale that you work off of and like move, you know? It's like, yes. th- then there's some there's some beauty in some of the old shit, right? Like I forget this guy's name, old strength and conditioning guy, kind of a strong man, dude. I mean, back in the day, so there was, there was a, mind pump had this guy on, I think, or maybe it was Rogan. I forget, but instead of, you know, when like early on they started doing uh, you know, you know, like lifting off of blocks, like deadlifting off of blocks yeah. and stuff like that. Well, back in the day, they didn't use blocks. What they would do is dig a hole in the ground and they would have a several holes in the ground because it would still, then you would, it would be standing in the hole. So it'd be elevated. Right. And there's these old that's guys, hilarious. and but that's the way they trained. If you look at the old, like before all this stuff, it's like interval work, capacity work, and like doing these different things, like these old school guys. And he was like, um, I forget this guy's name, but he said, uh, there's only three ways to lift DeFranco? weights.
1: DeFranco?
0: No, not DeFranco. This is a different, this is what old old school. Like this guy would okay. just, kind of like the liver king of the time, if you know who liver king oh, is. Jesus Christ. But yes, he was like, you. there's only three ways to lift weights. <laughs> He's like, you pick something up, you put something over your head or you carry something that's lifting weights. And I'm like, yeah, if you just do those things, (laughs) like you're going to be better off You're a functional human being, you know, and like get your heart rate up and do some stuff. But it doesn't have to be like this egocentric kind of CrossFit thing of CrossFitters, like in classes doing that kind of shit. It's better than nothing, but it could be way better. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard to make move just a little bit more to something that's more sustainable. And then one thing that I think set like me apart as a coach and why I really loved it when I was good at it was because the workout on the board was a a recommendation, right? Yep. But the class was about the people in the class. It wasn't about the workout on the yep. board, right? And if you had 100%. the capacity to like do that, well, that's great. But like, that's not really what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about you getting the most out of this hour as you can to translate to the rest of your life, whether 23 hours of the day or not in different. The
1: And that's different for everybody. And that could be different based on a different day. You know, like, I mean... I went to the gym yesterday and my aura ring was like, "Ah," like, what's going on with you kind of thing. And, you know, I was like, you know, I, I still want to go and I still want to move. And I'm doing, um, my friends from ballistic performance, they program my weightlifting for me. They've been friends for years. It's functional bodybuilding type stuff. And, um, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go and I'm going to move easy. So like, did I lift the weights that I could have lifted yesterday? I absolutely did not. I went at like a five or a six on an RPE. Yeah. schedule, relative perceived exertion for people who don't know. Um, whereas normally I'm at like, I'm at Nate, you know, and I was like, you know, this is, that's not where I am today. And I think that CrossFit in general created such a culture of, you need to go hard and you need to go at a level 12 out of 10 all of the time, um, that we have all these people like you and I, who are kind of like recovering CrossFitters, I like to say, yeah. um, who, you know, I had to really look at, like, what's serving me in my life. Like, even during PA school, like, I, I needed to be doing more fucking yoga and less CrossFit, man. Like, that was the best finish I ever had in a cross, but and I was in PA school full-time. Like, yeah. what was I doing? I was just burning through my nervous system, but I didn't really... I wasn't tuning into, like, what do I need and what is serving me at this time? You know, I was young and stupid and every... You know, I'm still young and dumb about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably... Sometimes I do too much still. And I really have to check myself with that. But I really encourage people to sit back and say, how do I really feel? Like, how do I feel after I do my workout? Like, do I feel beat up or do I feel built up? Like, there's a very big difference in that. And I think that for a long time, I was walking out of the gym feeling beat up and I didn't know any better because I wasn't tuning into myself. I was just plowing through life because I had no other... I felt like I had no other option, right? So... um.
0: Yeah, well, and like psych- psychologically, you you, vi- you find value in that, you know. Whereas, like, I got did something pretty shitty the other day, but I I tore my meniscus and had some knee injuries, like um a, about a year and a half ago, and finally got, uh, PRP injections, which again. You know, to go talk about we can. I know we're going to get into the medical establishment here, but it's yeah. like that was not a suggestion. That was something I had to go seek and find out myself. Actually, via Matt Chan, I went to the same place that the same place that Matt Chan goes. Right, okay. and it cost three thousand dollars to get that done. Yep. I, I got an injection of PRP in my ACL, MCL, meniscus, patellar tendon, uh, part one of my uh, like kind of my nerve roots in my back because I had some like sensation loss. I'd, I that's why I quit playing football as I ruptured my S one uh, and had some nerve Ooh. damage. They get in there and they they said the PRP might help, like, deal with some of the scar tissue that's in there. Well it's like, that's cool. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was just basically injections all around my entire knee. I still have some knee pain, but, like, it doesn't click anymore. And it definitely feels like I may do it again just to, like, give, like, a re-up just to kind of go do some spot treatment in there. But it was one of those things where... Over that time, I got like accustomed to like not doing that much and being really frustrated and my whole body just like it was just hurting all the time. Like when I would try to push something, I would just like try to go for it. And not anything crazy, but it was so frustrating to where it beat me down to where I just wasn't doing that much at all. And the other day I got the chance to like do a workout that involved like assault bike, thrusters, something else. And like laid on the ground, I did feel like I, I got I kind of kicked my own ass, but I needed it at that time, right? But that's not how I live every day. Most of time I leave a workout, I'm like, oh, that was good. Like that was that was good hard work, you know. But I think it's important to be able to like go there or sit in an ice bath for three minutes or a sauna for half an hour. Like it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be like fitness related necessarily, but just pushing yourself into certain areas I think is, cognitively really good for you to know that you can like go past that thing. Breath holds are a good one too. Not underwater, but breath holds. Cause you like have that panic, right? It's the same way as cross. If you're doing Fran, right? Everybody knows Fran, like 21, 15, nine thrusters and kipping pull-ups. The 21s are pretty shitty. The 15s you start to get in your head. Like, Oh my God, I'm dying. And you have to like, keep going and breath holds yeah. are the same way. Ice baths are the same way. Sauna is the same way where you like get to that point where it's like, Oh my God. But you just go a little further and you're like, Oh, okay. Like I got past the got my little second wind here. And then maybe you have a little panic again. And then you get another, it's like, Oh, I have more in me than what I thought I did with. I think even if it comes at a cost, maybe a little bit physically, uh, in some areas, I think doing that every now and then it's really important to remind yourself that like, oh, I have like the capacity to do more than what I thought I could do. And when I was a coach, I always said that like coaching athletes was kind of fucking boring to me because I was just trying to like make somebody as good as they thought they should be. Whereas I really loved coaching soccer moms because if I could get a woman who was in her forties to do a strict pull-up that she never thought she'd be able to do or jump on a 20 inch box, which for whatever reason, women have a hard time, like older women have a hard time jumping on a box. But I had to have a, I had a moment of like empathy where I was doing, I was doing 40, uh, a 48 inch box jump, right. Trying to do that. And like, you freak out inside. And I'm like, that's how this woman feels jumping on a 12 inch box. Like it's the same exact feeling inside. But we have women that would like jump on a 20 inch box for the first time, have a breakdown, start crying and then divorce their husband like two months later. And like, I don't like this relationship anymore. I'm capable of all kinds of crazy shit. I'm like, get it, girl. Like you're a bad bitch now. Like you're out in the world, like (laughs) crushing it. And, but that was so exciting to me to be like, you can do more than what you think you can. Or deadlifting 225 for women was a big deal, right? Two plates on the bar. And it's just like, they'd have these, it was like a big moment for them. And I'd loved doing that. It was, it was the people that didn't think they could do that much that I liked coaching. Cause I was like, I'm going to convince you that you're actually more capable than you thought you were. And that was super fun. Yeah. There's a role for that. It's just not every fucking day.
1: It's not every fucking day. And there's a lot of research behind, you know, ice baths and saunas and you know, like just cell regeneration and mitochondrial function, you know, like all of those different things and um, reducing inflammation because it teaches our body to understand in a controlled environment how to deal with stress. So when we have other stressors in our body, that whole system becomes activated again. It doesn't overactivate. We can use the same type of coping strategies, whether it's breathing or whatever it is that you do in that meantime or going somewhere else in your brain. Um, people are able to better implement that um, when those things come at them in larger, do- larger doses, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's just a controlled stressor. So I I agree with all of that. And I think that a lot of the times we are, I I think it took me till I got to 34, 35 to really say, you know what, like I'm just not setting limits anymore. And it's this the last couple of months of 2021 and then 2022, the way it has started off with me, with just um the people who have become interested in the things that I have to say and the things that I'm doing and I'm trying to get into universities to teach, um, unconventional ways of thinking about medicine and specifically women's hormones and menstrual cycles and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, things are really happening. And it, it took a year or two after I started to really drop that mindset of like, I don't have any fucking limits anymore. Like I just, I'm so done with that conversation and I'm so done with anyone in my life who wants to have that mindset. Cause I don't want it around me. Mm-hmm. It's toxic. And you know, when, when I, cause I think this really all started when I started my podcast back, I'm on episode like 83, I think like that, I think, and almost, almost weekly. So it was June of 2020. I think I started putting out episodes and I started to notice people falling away from my life and, um, including my best friend of 25 years who ghosted me at her, um, zoom wedding, which was very (laughs) weird um but i started to become very outspoken about a lot of things that were happening around the pandemic and healthcare and i started just being like even more myself than i ever thought i could which i've always i've always been outspoken i've never had a problem like being self assured or speaking out i i didn't really understand how people couldn't do that but i think that a lot of circumstances in the country and and the things that were happening in medicine in my life and with health just allowed me like it was either you become part of the problem or you become part of the solution. It's like what side of history would you have been on in World War Two, right? Like that kind of talk. <laughs> like I know now, you know, I would have been <laughs> fucking hiding Jews in my house. I I, I would have because that I am so far on that side, and it it just it skewed me to realize like where I was, and people could not tolerate my strong thought, and they could not tolerate a strong opinion. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't have room for that. Like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to do my thing and I don't have any limits. And if you don't fit that mindset, you don't fit my life anymore. So I don't know how I got there, but yeah,
0: no, I mean, me me either, but it's good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, I had, I had, I lost a couple of friends over this last couple of years. Um, maybe we're like a few, two girls and a dude, which he and I just kind of like drifted. It wasn't really it wasn't a yeah. problem, but like two of them were really relatively aggressive conversations. And I shared one on, on Instagram, wow. which a lot of people, if I knew a lot of people, other people, I wouldn't have shared the conversation, like a private conversation, even though of course I blocked out this person's name, but I would have done that unless I'm sure. like, a lot of people are dealing with this. And I, I'm over here talking yeah. about how we can like maybe bridge the gap and be like, Hey man, that was a really confusing time. Like maybe we don't need to hate each other for no reason, which consequently came out like two weeks later on uh, Saturday Night Live. They, they kind of had that same I had the same moral to that story and one of their really not funny, um, uh, bits there, but I was like, Oh, I guess I can say it, but it's not okay for me to say it. But it's weird, man. Like nobody wanted to come off their shit. Like this, this last two years really for better or worse in a lot of people. And it wasn't, there was ne- very little like neutral and over for yeah. a lot of people over the past couple of years it's been like you're either this now or you're that and it's 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 yeah. been cre- incredibly divisive which is something i try and fight against as much as i can uh it's been really frustrating it's been really sad for a lot of people and i can't say that i don't understand it because i understand as i'm sure you do as well like human behavior enough to know exactly what the fuck <laughs> is going on not that i have a piece of paper that says that but like i'm a i even through yeah. fitness i was a human behavior guy like that was my focus and i love that and i think like human behavior just fascinates me for better or worse. Right. Like, like even saying like super controversial things, right? Like I, I tried to just like put people on their toes. Like I, not all Nazis were bad people is a really interesting statement to say. Right. And people don't like hearing that. And, but there was a great movie uh, called fury with uh, had head child Brad Pitt. These different, these different things in it. And it's like, these were a, a lot of these people were desperate and manipulated by a very charismatic leader into doing things. And they probably, a lot of those people they probably didn't even understand that there were concentration camps. Like this is a whole thing. Like you, you get into these, like, new, and the, the reason I say something that that's that, that controversial is because everything needs nuance, like everything, like not all soldiers. It's, it's the same. It's the same exact statement as not all American soldiers are good people. Right. They're not all heroes. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of those yeah, people like threw grenades into like rooms full of women and children for what? right? Some guys in Nevada flying a drone over a place right now and like 80% civilian death rate to kill like one bad guy. Right. And that's, the, 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 that's, there's nuance to it. Do I think that our role in World think War think that's II was good?
1: like a, like having a, you can have, I can't remember the term that my therapist used for this. It's, it's escaping me, but like two truths can exist at once. Right. Yes. And I think that's something that we have largely lost like okay med- medical example like birth control can be useful for some people and it's really fucking overutilized inappropriately and it's causing people problems like both of those things can be true like the vaccine is good for some people and for other people it's the pro- probably the risks outweigh the benefits yes. unpopular opinion from a medical provider sorry not sorry yeah um you know, like some cops are assholes. Some cops are really great people. Yeah. Um, you know, I it's mean, never, it's never only- it's never
0: black and white. There,
1: it's it's not. And I I don't understand how like people don't recognize by this point that the gray area in anything is where life is lived. There is nothing. I mean, besides math, which become you know uh, what, what are they? Um, oh, I can't think of what what the word is, but um, they become law. Uh, it's math laws, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, that's an absolute. Like how many things are absolute in this life? Like nothing. There there is nothing. Nutrition, science. That's why we have the scientific method. So that is the one thing that I have said throughout this whole fucking pandemic is why am I being criticized for asking questions? Like why? Why should I? Why should I be criticized for saying I have questions about something called warp speed going into my body and what it might cause me?
0: Like, why <laughs> exactly. is that
1: unpopular? And it's what, I don't it, fucking understand. And exactly, like I voted for Trump. I was a Trump supporter, and I don't care what fucking administration created this shit. Like, I have questions. I'm a human being with my own opinions. I have questions about a brand new technology being just injected into my body. And when is this going to stop? And now we're seeing it. Now we're going to combine it with the flu shot and we're going to do all these things. And I'm like, this is why I had a problem with the mass in, in the first place was once the government takes some kind of control, when do they ever fucking give it back? No,
0: I mean, it, it was, it was, it was, used. it was the, the playbook was right out of 9-11. I mean, it was the same fucking same deal. With the Patriot <laughs> Act are different, whatever. And then yeah, here we are in a war. That's fun. Um, or or pl- flirting with one. So yeah, it's, it's a weird deal. And, and, and I think just saying things like that Nazi argument, for example, is like, it's, it's a thought experiment, right? Sure. It's a thought experiment. It's like, consider that. Right, they're not all. Not everyone is Hitler, (laughs) right? And it's like not to say that what happened was good, but if you can think about that and just like put yourself in a place where you can actually consider that without emotion, it actually makes you better at analyzing things and viewing different. Like you're talking about with the vaccine, it's like I say this all the time. It's like I I said here's my statement about the vaccine. I'm not taking it. I don't think it's necessary for me. I looked at the numbers, right? So there was, I remember pulling the numbers up because I was i was getting kind of attacked about this. And I'm like, okay, I think in my age cohort, it was like 3,000 people had died, right? Between, I was, I'm 35 now, but it was 25 to 34. I think it was 34 when this was going on. I was like, all right. So if they at the higher of that. And I was like, how many people are that age in this country? A lot, like, close to a hundred million, maybe like somewhere in that range. Cause that's like a big, there's a lot of people in that group. Um, Cause you know, we have a lot of kids and you have a lot of the older people kind of dwindle off. So you have, this this is a large cohort of people. So it's like, what is the real risk to me? And I don't really think I'm putting anybody else at risk. Right. And it's like, well, if you get the vaccine, I was like, well, that turned out that 75% of the spread of Omicron was vaccinated people. So it's like, I, right. I, I was justified in my decision that it wasn't really doing the thing that I thought I was like, the reason there's not a coronavirus vaccine at this point is because coronavirus adapt really fast. Yes. Right. And it's also the reason that sometimes they're not necessary because they become less virulent over time and become more contagious because you can only be, you can't be good at everything. Now there is a variable Correct. there because it was most likely generated in a lab. So maybe it would move the other way because that's maybe how it was designed. Understood. Just solid, valid point, right? Maybe so. But okay. What we've seen now is what played out, what was predicted to play out. It was more virulent and then became more contagious and less virulent over time. That's what viruses do. And coronavirus is a
1: virus
0: virus going to virus. Exactly. And it's like in a coronavirus adapts fast. That's what it is. And here we are. Right? Like, so, and now because there's another distraction and somebody else can wave a blue and yellow flag and feel good about themselves. We don't have the the, the people that we're now that care about whatever the thing happens to be hashtag BLM or whatever it is. Now they have something else to care about and they're not (laughs) yelling at me anymore. But I look at that, and I'm like, yes. okay, well, then you hit the numbers and it's like, well, 79. So we'll just call it 80. 80% of people who died or were hospitalized were obese. Okay, so now take whatever Rich. that 3,000 number is and decrease it by 80%. So what is, so that's, uh, what's that number there? Let's just do some math. So that's 200 out of 1,000. So that's 600 people now at that point that had died from COVID in my age cohort. Okay. I'm going to yeah. take
1: my risks and I'm going to run. <laughs> exactly.
0: And then how many of those people had significant comorbidities like uh, lung issues, whatever it was that w- something aside from obesity. So now what am I talking about out of however many hundred million people we're talking about 300 that died. That could even be related cause I'm not in, I'm not in that category. I am in my own category of my people, right? So it's age and other things. I don't have comorbidities. Right. I'm not obese. Right. Right. So I'm in that category. On purpose, so, so make right? yeah, exactly. So. And I have, I've been focused on this for well over a decade and a half, two decades of my life. I've been focused on like my health because I was an obese kid. So it's important. For, this is important to me. I understand what that's like. I, I, I've been there. It sucks. So it's like, I don't need to be compared to the population as a whole. I'm comparing myself to other people like me. And in that group of people, right. this doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. So back the fuck off. Like, and then yeah. I had these friends that were like health, like fitness experts, um, that were getting vaccinated. I'm like, what are you? And you're like 27. I'm like, doing? what are you doing? And it's like, well, I don't want to get my, I don't want to get my family sick. And I'm like, well, that's a, okay, that's, uh, that,
1: vaccines that's virtuous,
0: but that's not how this is working clearly. No. So it was no. really frustrating. And I'm like, it's like you suspend, but it's also the same people, you know, it, it's liberals, which is the strangest thing to me because I still consider myself a liberal, right? Because I won't let go of what liberal actually fucking means. And it pisses me off because it wasn't that long ago. And I remember this and that's why JFK is in my studio, right? Like JFK liberals were pro-free speech and anti-war and had their fucking heads on straight and kept their feet on the ground, right? It was like, we need to get the fuck out of Vietnam, right? That's the people that I associate with. We need free speech. The McCarthy era was toxic, right? Like calling everyone that you didn't agree with a communist was a bad idea. Just like calling everybody that you disagree with a racist is a bad idea. Because what yes. does it do that, that, that waters down what it means to be a real communist or a real racist or a white supremacist yeah. or whatever it is. And so it's like, it, it, it correlates. That's why the name of this fucking podcast is thought criminals, because I read 1984 and I was like, Oh my God,
1: I've not read it yet. And I need to, Oh,
0: you definitely need to.
1: I know. I, a couple of people have told me that I was going to take it on the JMT with me. And then I was reading something else that I was into. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's like, there are two ca- there are categories of people who are healthy, right? So there's people who are healthy on accident and people who are healthy on purpose. I consider folks like you and me, people who are fucking healthy on purpose. Like I watch what I eat. I eat 80% of the time whole nutrient-dense foods. I focus on my sleep, my stress management. I have great people around me. Like they they put this article out and I, I live in St. George and there was unfortunately um uh, you know, people died from coronavirus everywhere. And there was a cop that they highlighted who died and they said otherwise healthy. Forty-year-old, but in the same, and I don't like to speak ill of people, but in the bottom of this article, they talked about how he was known for drinking all of his, you know, monsters all day and eating donuts for breakfast. And I'm like, that's not someone whose health. You're you're not in the same category of health that I am. Like you were healthy, considered healthy, but you really just had the absence of disease on accident. Like that's what that was. And I think that we don't do a good job of stratifying those individuals and and putting them in, we lump them in the same category. Oh, well, you don't have any, you don't take any medication, so you're healthy. And it's like, no you're just you've just had dumb fucking luck until now <laughs> like yeah. no man that's not the same shit like don't put me in that category <laughs> yeah
0: what is your yeah what, when's the last time you had like an adrenal screen you know it's like what's going right? on in there you know it's like when's the last time you spit in God. a bottle all day for a de- for a whole day and i had to like do it at a certain time and then do blood testing at the same time and then pee on a thing like that's that's the kind of shit that i'm doing you know what i mean
1: <laughs> like, yeah I, I have a dutch test here that i need to do i'm like uh i know i haven't done blood work in like two or three years yeah. i know I, I know everybody can yell at me. Me, but it's, I'm doing it this year. That is my goal for 2022 is to do my Dutch test, to do all my other testing and make sure everything's running good on the inside. I feel great, but, um, it's always good to check.
0: It's super important. So, if you have yeah. the resources to do it, uh, Conover wellness is a really good program. They'll you come to your house. They have Conover wellness. It's a Dr. Conover. He's a, he's a kind of a hormone and uh, specialist, but he's got some really cool stuff out there. They do a lot of NAD, and, uh, oh, okay. testosterone, uh, growth hormone peptides, really cool. Like co- pop peptide cocktails that are uh, subcutaneous injections. It's really cool. So I, I, I have just a friend a who may plug.
1: be interested in that because he's, he's a Marine vet. Um, and he's got, you know, TBI issues and mm. he may be interested in that. So that's yeah. good to know. And
0: they have a nootropic effect as well. A lot of those things. Um, but I want to get into this and this is a perfect segue into just like the medical establishment, right? So Kelly and I were talking about yeah. this the other day, which People don't understand, people think that like, (laughs) I started being critical of this stuff like during COVID, but no, 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 because I was an obese kid. So I started thinking about obesity because I learned how much different my life was being obese versus being not obese, right? I went from being a fat kid who got bullied to having amazing bone structure and really being the pinnacle of the male form. And that's where I live my life now. <laughs> right. A little bit of a dad bod, but other than that, like I've got to figure it out, but it's just like, I didn't choose those things. It's like, that was just a lot of that was genetic. Like I didn't choose to be six, four. Right. I didn't choose my jawline. Like these are things that like, I always oh, make Jesus, kind of you
1: are fucking tall.
0: Yeah. I mean, I my wife, my wife tall. is six one. I can't wait. Somebody who's six one. I mean, she has to be able to wear heels sometimes. And even for her to do that, i to put boots on. Um, but, uh, so, I was doing a lot of like research on this and understanding like FDA corruption. I didn't know the term regulatory cap regulatory capture till later on, but I knew I could see what was going on because the difference in Europe and us and the way that we handled food um, was vastly different. And so I was doing like when I would have a speech, like a PR class or a speech class, something like that. in um, in college, I would do reports on and speeches on like FDA corruption and obesity and like the obesity crisis. Like this has been, um, Super size me came out like during when I was in college. Right. So I've talked a lot about that kind of stuff and just different things. So I was already on that page at like 19, 20, 21 years old, yes. I was already doing that stuff. And then you pile on, you know, the Bernie Sanders movement, you know, a handful of years later. And then I'm like, oh my God, like now I'm seeing what the medical industry really is. Right. Which I'd already like not stopped taking like prescription drugs. Like whenever I got my IVF uh, extraction stuff done, like they're like, here, here's the one that gave me anesthesia, which fucked me up for like three days. I was wrecked from that shit. And I was like, I don't want this. They're like, you need it. We have to cut you open. And I'm like, well, if you have to cut me open then give it to me, then I'll pay the lady to stand there and just like deal with Just Give me lidocaine. I'll be fine like it's going to hurt. And they just like talked me into it, fucked me up. And they're like, well, you can, you can uh, treat your headaches from your (laughs) anesthesia with hydrocodone. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I I have a bottle of hydrocodone in case I like stabbed myself in the leg on accident, like really need it, you know, at some point, but it was like, like,
1: you got bullied into that. Yeah. First of all, like you did, they gave you a drug that you didn't want. So I want to point that out for people. Like you're a very strong opinionated, able to take care of themselves person. And the medical establishment was still like, no, no, no. Like you need to take this. Well, no, I, why is not when I say no good enough?
0: Yeah. It's like, like it's like, is there an, and my, my, it wasn't what? like a, no, it was like, is there another option? They're like, not really. Cause we may have to, cause they don't know until they get in there, if they may have to cut you open. And I'm like, so this is about you guys having a simple situation. This isn't about me. And what, cause I would rather my, I would rather like you take one of my balls without anesthesia than feel what I felt after anesthesia. Cause it fucked. I knew yeah. I knew it was going to fuck me up. Right. I was like, uh, it was just, it was just, I I just had a feeling. And then they're like, yeah, well you have a hydrocodone for that. I'm like, I don't take, what do you, what do I don't take pharmaceutical drugs? Do you not understand? Unless it's absolutely 1000% necessary. If I have to take some kind of like antibiotic or something, I'll do that. But even I don't, I try to avoid oral antibiotics at all costs as well. Like that's just how I live my life. So to think that someone like that is going to take a fucking warp speed vaccine (laughs) Right. From a company who's paid the most mind. criminal criminal fines of any company in history, including Raytheon, Lockheed Martin and the oil and gas industry. Right. So those are all included. And Pfizer's paid more fines than all of those. Maybe those other ones should have paid more fines as well. At some point, they paid more fines than DuPont and DuPont poisoned people's water. <laughs> like It's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? You have to have a conversation about that. And it's like, I don't I don't see I don't see the necessity of it. But this is just how I've been. This is how I've lived my life for so long. It's Same. not about, it's not about like right now. I didn't decide like, oh, these people are bad right now. Like, I is this not where I, I, this is my philosophy in life. Same thing with the PRP and my eject in my knee. They were like, we're going to go in and we're going to stitch your meniscus together. And I was like, the fuck you are. That doesn't even make any sense at all. Like the meniscus doesn't even get enough blood flow to heal something like that. So you're going to go in and, st-. I was like the inflammation from the surgery is going to cause more healing than the fucking stitches. So, and you're going to charge me, my deductibles like a bajillion dollars. So I got to pay that out. <laughs> And I'm like, how about you fuck off? Like, how about no? How about no, Scott? And it was like, and the doctor was nice, but he's an orthopedic surgeon. And the reason that PRP isn't covered by insurance is because of corruption. It's because those knee surgeries are super common. Everybody has a torn meniscus or a torn ACL, right? And they just get get paid. And it's like, when is it not about that, right? Even Kelly and I were talking about this because we're doing a home birth. And my mom is a nurse and she worked in- She did a lot of C-sections, right? Emergency C-sections is what she did as a nurse, right? We Which want to talk about corrupt. Yeah. Well, and it's like, yeah. the, like it's work like, work it's thing. like inducing uh, epidurals, all these things, right? They don't teach you how that to breathe, stress. but it's like, they got, they've got to make it predictable and profitable. And yes. you being there, like fighting in labor for 12 hours takes too much time. So let's give yes. them an epidural. Well, it'll, and then it'll, you won't be able to feel the bottom half of your body and then speed
1: you up and shut you up.
0: Yeah. And it's like, that's even inducing, like you're like inducing a baby to come before it's ready. It's like the due date isn't necessarily like set in stone. You know what I mean? It's like around about this time. And I was a C-section baby and they didn't like put the, what the, I don't know, I forget what the fluid's called. That's like in the, in the canal that you are supposed to like, that helps your immune system. But I didn't get any of that. You know, my, neither did any of my brothers. They didn't oh. even know that you could like, cause you now they use like a swab and they like swab you with the canal fluid, whatever it's called. But they didn't know that back then. Right. And it was like, I had the cord wrapped around my neck and all this other stuff, but like even breech births, I'm learning all about this stuff in the process of having kids. And it's like brief breech births, births can be really normal. Right. So coming out yes. feet first, like all these things, and they can actually help manipulate the baby without a C-section and these midwives know how to do these things. And even the water helps because it decreases the amount of gravity on your body. So your hips are able to separate easier, like all these little things, but nobody wants to have those conversations about how it's kind of a churn and burn. It's a profit, it's a profit generator. And that's, that's the foundational kind of piece of it all. And I can't find, I struggled to find one part of the healthcare industry that's not, and I don't think I'm not anti-capitalist by any means, but, Me either. but the amount of re- you have to have, and there's something like this. You have to have regulations. I mean, even I, we watch, um, I, I got Peacock to watch like the, uh, uh, Yellowstone in 1883, those shows, but on Peacock, they still put commercials on there. So I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to pay more to buy the thing from Amazon. Like I'm just going to pay $20 for the season instead of $5 a month. Fuck Cause it. fuck these commercials. And every commercial break is a fucking pharmaceutical ad. And it's like an owl giving you a sleep pill. And it's like, another thing. And it was, one of them was a drug to counteract the side effects of another drug for like COPD or something. And I'm like, what in the fuck is this? And I don't watch TV. I don't have cable. I haven't had cable for years. So I don't see this stuff very often. And I'm like, why is this even a thing? Like you can't advertise yeah. cigarettes on TV. So why, why is, why is this a thing? Like if you look at and if you if you want to get real creeped out, go look up the old Oxycontin ads. Right? Oh
1: my God. Did you watch, have you watched dope sick?
0: Not yet. No, Kelly um, loved it though.
1: So I've, I've watched a couple of episodes. My medical assistant recommended it to me and I'm like, holy fuck. And I have the unpopular opinion of like, cause everybody's like, Oh, don't blame the doctors for the opiate epidemic. I'm like, really? Do you see how some of these fuckers bring out their script pad for controlled substances? Like they don't ask questions. They say, Oh, I have an ache in my shoulder. Oh, let's just throw you on some oxy. Oh, that's not working. Let's give you some fentanyl. I've seen it.
0: Yeah, well I have this seen you, it. you would get you could, you could get six oxycontin or eight oxycontin, I think, for uh, getting your wisdom teeth taken out. I was like, what? Yeah. Or tonsils taken out. Anything like, gave- anything, little things like that.
1: It's crazy. And like, so my boyfriend's a cancer survivor. He had appendix cancer. And like he had to do a colonoscopy before um, as part of like his staging. I can't even remember at this point because everything was it was a hot mess. But when we went to go pick up the colonoscopy supplies, it was like 30 bucks or something like that. But then after his surgery, they gave him like 20 Norco or whatever, which like he didn't take because he's not gonna take that shit. Yeah. And it was like a dollar 67. And I'm like, we wonder why we have problems in this country. Gee, I don't know how this happened. Someone please help explain to me. Like, what? You know, it's it's crazy. And you know, and I'm I I also am not against I'm very, very pro-capitalism. Uh, but When we're talking about our health, like, I mean, and this gets into the food conversation, everything like there has to be some type of regulation for not completely fucking people over. I had a patient come in who had all these like digestive issues. She had these gallbladder tests done, normal HIDA scan, normal ultrasound, normal CT scan. And they were like, you know, sometimes these problems just get better if we just take the gallbladder out anyway. No proof that it needed to be come out. She had normal liver functions, normal tests, everything, but let's just take out an organ just in case. What? Like, what planet are we living on that this kind of fucking crap is happening? Like, if you if you've never questioned, like this whole Coronavirus vaccine thing, you can't sue the vaccine companies. Yeah. So if if I get completely damaged, and I'm no longer able to work because I took an emergency use authorization vaccine, which all of them still are by the way, who the fuck is going to pay my bills because I can't sue anybody?
0: Yep, that's that's like, that's, like, like what, the, the why thing is that that, okay? The thing that pissed me off the most about the vaccine was the liability shield because like, there's like there's yes. there's going to and even if it's for the greater good and it was a net positive and I said this on the show I was like you're probably gonna be fine if you get it you might not be you're probably gonna be fine if you don't get it unless but it's like 95 percent of the of the vulnerable population was vaccinated months ago and no one ever I'm like that's a huge win. For whoever, yeah, like that's a, uh, why are they talking about that? That's a huge win. The people that aren't vaccinated yeah. right now probably don't want to be vaccinated or just don't need to be vaccinated. So shut the fuck up and Correct. leave it alone. I don't know what what yes. what you think is going to happen here, but like, why can't you be like, hey, everybody? Most people over seventy are vaccinated. My granddad's vaccinated. I'm like, that's probably the right move. Probably, I mean, the risk 100%. proposition was there, right? Where for a lot of people it wasn't, but you never heard the good news, right? Like that's probably good news, and you never heard that yeah. it was like, oh, but these this is happening or that's happening. But regardless of that, people are going to have adverse reactions to this thing. And the amount of tax money that we spent developing and purchasing the vaccine, they made money on both ends of that fucking thing, right? Because we develop a lot of that stuff and all of that. And then to have the audacity to not have a liability shield on an EUA drug or to have to have a liability shield on an EUA drug is insane. I'm like, that's so fucked up. Like what? Are, these people are entitled to financial retribution. Like if I was a if I was a a, a politician, that's where I would have hammered it. I'm like, are you gonna yeah. are we gonna continue the 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 trend of not holding these corporations accountable? Any of them, right? I don't give a fuck. It's a Walmart or Pfizer or DuPont or Chevron. Like it, like like the the same things happening. Uh, Steven Donzinger won a case in South America where uh, Chevron, I believe it was, or Exxon Mobil. Owed these people like $10 billion for, for fucking up their entire lives. And then they put him in jail for contempt of court for years. No lawyer's ever been locked up. No attorney's ever been locked up for contempt of court, but because he won a $10 billion suit or something like that against a major oil company, they threw the full fury of American capitalism at him. And now he's still under house arrest and he's an attorney that won a case and they still haven't paid these people. Right. And it's like, That's so crazy. that, that, that same thing with the banks in 2008, it's like who? one guy oh got God. arrested. One guy got <sighs> arrested. So you, you want me to sit here and, and defend capitalism. You can suck my dick. Like I have zero interest. I understand the validity of markets. I understand the power of markets. I understand how markets are useful, but if you think I'm going to sit here and shill for a fucking economic system, like I'm emotionally attached to it, you're wrong. I'm not doing that. That's not how I live my life. That's not how I want to live my life. It makes no sense to me it's like, I don't get emotionally attached to an economic system. I'm sorry. I understand like that, 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 but this isn't seeming to work, right? The shit that's in our food that causes problem. The fact that we subsidize poverty right. foods overall and don't ever have any fo- focus on regenerative agriculture or anything. Like, why don't those guys get fucking huge tax breaks? Why don't you get a huge? How about you this? You raise gra- grass fed cattle. You don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> Let's do that for 10 years yeah, and see what happens.
1: Like I am. definitely i'm a i'm a freedomist no matter what like i sent you that fucked up message earlier that was like all um (laughs) you couldn't decipher it yeah like i i want to be consistent in my thought process and it's like i don't want like i hate soda i think that like it's one of the biggest evils that are contributing Mm -hmm. to like a lot of health problems for people but i also don't believe that we should be saying well you can only buy 12 ounces at a time because i'm a huge freedomist i'm I am for capital, like, yada, yada, yada. Because I feel like if I'm shutting down soda, I should be shutting down choice for other things. Yeah. But also, how are those things, like, how are these things allowed to just, I don't know, I go back and forth with them. Like, how how are these things able to exist? But I'm, they're able to exist because we live in a free country. Like, I mean, I go, I go all over the place with all of this stuff. But it's like, why are, is so much food-like product able to be considered food? Because 90% of the grocery store is not actual food. Yes. And it's, you know, we wonder why we had also such a problem. I was waiting and waiting and waiting to see a conversation about obesity and comorbidities. And like, I want to see the statistics on who struggled the most with coronavirus, based on their comorbidities. Like I don't give a fuck about age. You can be 60 and have, you know, the genetics of a 40 year old, you know, what your chronological age and your biological age are, are completely different things. But that, that conversation was completely absent. And to say that our, that our food system and the things that we push and the marketing and all of that stuff hasn't played a role into people's health. Like I I can't make that statement and have it be true. No, and
0: and just like we were talking about earlier though, you can have, you can have conflicting opinions on a thing, right? Like I think regulation in a lot of areas is completely out of control. And I think regulatory capture has, has, has weighted the scales because that's, I mean, okay, we'll just use, I don't, I'm not a Biden fan. I didn't vote for Biden. But I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of the guy. I've been more critical of him than, than many conservatives have, to be honest with you, from, from the left, which is actually, I think, more valid oftentimes. It's not like, I'm going to find something to be pissed off about. It's like, just like I treated Trump policies. I think Trump was a clown and a doofus and annoying as fuck to me. Like, he annoyed the shit out of me. I understood the appeal, though, and I defended Trump supporters at the time, even though I wasn't one. Uh, I don't get the same treatment back from conservatives very often for me having voted for Biden, but I wanted to give the conservatives four years to give me a better option. Like I, I'll, I can, but I'm, I'm politically homeless, man. I can vote for whoever the fuck I want. I don't, I'm not on a team here. But Biden said this. He goes, capitalism without competition isn't capitalism, it's exploitation. And I am pro-freedom, but I'm also very pro-competition. I don't think it's okay that a large pharmaceutical company can buy a small biotech company that's actually innovating. I mean, this is where me and Sal get into it, about innovation. That's not innovation. Buying a company that innovated and then marking their product up 800% is not innovation. That is exploitation. You have now have people that are that are reliant upon a drug, life-saving drug, especially if it's like a leukemia drug, right? Or something something like that, where you don't have a choice. Like kids don't choose to get leukemia. Like if you were talking about type two diabetes, I'm like, eh, you know, but like leukemia is a different thing, right? Cancers are a different thing. It's like, yeah, you kind of brought, yes. that, on, you kind of brought that on yourself. I agree. You know, it's like, well, it could, <laughs> that should be expensive, I guess.
1: Unpopular opinion, <laughs> dude, I say that any, I can get into that, but
0: continue. Yeah, but it's like, but it's like leukemia drugs, right? And they're marked up 900%. So there's several thousand dollars a month when then Mark Cuban comes out with his transparent uh, pharmaceutical company. I don't know if you've seen that, but they sell, sell generics, right? And he was selling that same leukemia drug for like $70 a month. And the, the, the market rate was $2,900 a month. So it's like that yeah. to me, that's not capitalism. That's explo- you're exploiting people who need a thing. And that's so, so incredibly fucked up. And to look at that, I'm like, so maybe that what we need to have a conversation is if, you want, if you're a pro-capitalist, then you should be very, very pro-antitrust laws. Because that's where shit gets fucked, right? For example, meat prices going crazy. And everybody's like, it's Biden, it's spending, it's all that stuff. No, it's the fact that there's four meat packers. Four. So you either play with them or you don't play at all. And they make the money. It's not that cattle ranchers aren't sitting over here rolling around like pigs and shit with cash everywhere. They're not making any more money than they were right? It's these meat packers that make the money and they set the prices. So it's like, that's not capitalism. That's exploitation. You're exploiting the consumer and the producer by being the middleman. That to me isn't capitalism. So if you want to have that conversation, like that was one of my favorite parts about the state of the union address is when he said that I'm like, finally, somebody saying that. And that's a very Bernie Sanders style statement, which I appreciate because I was a Bernie guy for the longest time. And it, because he he was there was only one person who was going to co- go after pharmaceutical companies. Only one, per- and he was the only one that was going to do it. Trump talked about it, didn't do shit, right? He was the only one. And the fact that Medicare can't negotiate with health um, on prices with healthcare companies, that's a pure product of corruption. Like there's no other explanation. And that is something that is 80% favorable that Medicare should be able to negotiate their prices with these pharmaceutical companies and these healthcare companies. It's 80% favorable in the United States. And you want to tell me we have some kind of democracy? So it's like, what's going on? Well, it just ha- so happened that someone like um, uh, Kristen, Kirsten Cinema takes a million dollars from Big Pharma and then changes her tune and becomes the swing vote. So it's like, oh, they knew they could sway this bitch and they did. And now she's, she's blocking it all up. Or you have J- Joe Manchin on the other hand, right? Whose daughter got a $30 million golden parachute after she became the CEO of an EpiPen company and then moved all the jobs overseas and then mark the the prices up like ten x, right? So they they cut their production costs, increase their prices, and then she gets thirty million dollar payout. And that's Joe Manchin's daughter that she got that job because of who not her dad know is. That. I These remember are all things. The yeah. cost of
1: I remember when the cost of EpiPens went up, but I didn't know. What exactly had, and i I don't know enough to know about some of those things that you're talking about, and I don't like to be one of those people who like puts an opinion out there when I don't know, yeah, so that's why I'm just sitting back and listening, so I'm like, I'm not really sure, um like if I don't know enough to have an opinion, I'm not going to be that asshole who's like, ah, blah, blah, blah yeah, um, but I do remember the cost of epipens going up, and you know it, fuck, like the things that pharmaceutical companies do like like I'll write a prescription for a patient and then you know, the insurance company, I'll talk to the pharmacy and be like, can you just check with their doctor to make sure that they really think that they need this, like to do a prior authorization. It's like, well, I fucking wrote the prescription. So can you just give it to the person? Like there's, and I know that there's, I know that there's like a lot of stuff I don't know about the money that it takes to develop these pharmaceuticals. And I know that America pays for the world to basically have pharmaceuticals with a lot of, in a lot of different ways. Um, but I still think that there's like a lot of fucked up shit that happens in the pharmaceutical world. And yeah. I I also sit in your camp where it's like my cat bit me when she had a seizure and I like cried because I had to take an antibiotic and everyone <laughs> laughed at me like, but like, dude, I couldn't fucking close my hand. Like I yeah, was you gonna ha- you have, have to. to get it like you can't. Like anyone who knows anything about, like when you get bit by a cat, like you have to take an antibiotic. Cats,
0: dogs, uh, non-venomous snakes, all kinds of things. Spiders. Like it just is. Yeah. yeah. Anything, that, ha- anything that has like, a bunch of bacteria in its mouth, you have to, it's like, you're, yeah, right? it is what it is.
1: And it's like, I'm thankful for modern medicine for that. You know what I mean? But it's like, I also don't want to sit here and fucking argue with patients 22 out of 24 times about the fact that they have the sniffles and they don't need an antibiotic for that. And then my colleagues are, I don't even know how I got onto this, but my colleagues are undermining me and just writing prescriptions everywhere. And it's like, wait a second, like, why am I putting all this effort into like educating people about how they're basically going to give themselves antibiotic associated diarrhea if people are just going to, it's, it's such a hot mess.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's crazy. And like, <laughs> I I get, I, get, I piss people off saying this, but I'm like, I think most general physicians are just pharma sales reps that are glorified. Like it's a, I'm and,
1: wondering sometimes
0: and it's like, not all of them and not at all, but it's like, it, it's just this, they shill so hard, man. They shill so hard. And I'm not talking about surgeons. It, like su- surgeons have sales reps in the office when they're doing surgery, like in the room. And that has to, especially, off, yeah. Yeah. where they have to have, cause they're doing spine surgery. They don't know what they need. So they have like a kit. And like, there's a different, like not all medical sales reps are created equal, right? Some of them are doing like ACL, uh, ACL replacement gear, uh, false meniscuses that you can put back in stuff like that. Like spinal surgery is another one. Hearts like these, that's a difference between that and like your general general physician who like doesn't really know what the fuck they're talking about. Like when I ruptured my S1 disc. I had a lot going on there and I had nerve pain and my doctor gave me like a a prescription ibuprofen, like a super strong ibuprofen. And I'm like, dude, this is bad. Like, I know I'm saying it's like on my pain scale, it's like a seven, but like, you don't even know me well enough to know that seven is probably most people's 10. I just know that it could hurt worse. Probably. (laughs) That's why I say seven. It's like, they just, it doesn't seem like they're all that fucking educated to be honest with you. And it just doesn't, their their, their solutions just don't seem to be real solutions. They seem to be, they're just band-aids they just deliver band-aids. My,
1: yeah. My, my problem with most general practitioners is that they don't understand how to be healthy humans themselves. So how the fuck are you going to sit with somebody and talk to them about how to be a healthy human themselves? Cause really that's my job as a, cause I work in family practice as a family practice provider. My job is to help keep people healthy, right? At least that was the intention, but it's like, if you don't know what the fuck you're doing yourself, how are you going to stand in front of somebody and teach them how to be a healthy human being? Like most of the things that bring people to me with my knowledge about food and exercise and sleep and all of this preventative stuff and everything that I know about supplements, like that's and supplements can be a band aid too, but, but you're exactly right. Like we're fucking band-aiding everything and it's not fixed. Like every issue has a root cause. Like why do you have acid reflux? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you constipated? Why do you have period problems? Why can't you get an erection? Why do you have blood sugar control issues? Like, All of these things, the first line treatment that they talk to us about in PA school is diet and exercise and diet and lifestyle. But what do they teach you about it? Like, I'm just lucky that, like I, you know, I said earlier, I started lifting weights at the age of 12. I've been an active human my whole life. I've sought, I've naturally sought out all of these things. But there's so many of my counterparts who know nothing about it. Like, I've listened to physicians tell diabetics, "Oh, bananas are the problem," and I'm like. No, the Frappuccino they had for breakfast <laughs> is the fucking problem. Like, just, just say I don't know. Like, one yeah. of the most dangerous things in medicine is a doctor that will not say I don't know or who is ignorantly ignorant and has no idea when they don't know. Huge problem, and I will die on this hill that if you have a problem and your general physician is not talking to you about sleep and stress management, what you're fucking putting in your pie hole, and how you're moving your body, and the people you surround yourselves with, but they're throwing pills at you, they're a, they are a drug dealer and not a doctor, and I stand very firm in that.
0: Yeah, I, just, I, I can't one thousand percent appreciate that, but it's hard, right? Because I know if we're talking about capitalism, right, it's really hard to circumvent that system because I think about the healthcare system as the food system as one thing. Right. So we have a, a broken food system that makes people unwell. And then we have a broken pharmaceutical industry that treats the unwellness caused by our food system. So they're really like a Venn diagram of fuckery that's like in, in uh, overlapping one another. So it's like, well, that also contributes to the GDP. So it's like, well, it's really good to have a bunch of grain and soy and high fructose corn syrup, it's easier than sugar because we don't have to buy sugar. We stopped buying sugar from Cuba because of the Cuban Missile Crisis and they liked the communists. And apparently that was a reason to ostracize them from the world and push them further to the communists, the same way that we're dealing with Russia and China right now, but neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> it's like we had this situation where it's like, all right, so let's use this corn thing. And it's like, so... To decouple those is fucking impossible because those are two of the biggest industries in the world. There are also two industries that if it, if it appears as a politician that you are doing something negative to farmers, the Republicans, especially if you're a Democrat, the Republicans will run with that and ruin you because they don't want you to accomplish anything and they don't really give a fuck about anybody. And if you go to if you go after the pharmaceutical industry, you're like automatically a socialist right? Even that's not necessarily the case. So it's like these, this name calling and this pigeonholing and this, and and people don't understand that maybe we shouldn't prop up poverty foods as a nation maybe subsidizing those isn't a good idea maybe providing some safeguards in case like it, i think that farmers are super important and it's a, it's a dying breed of people and it's more and more just conglomerates that are fucking nameless soulless pieces of shit i mean bill gates owns a fuck ton of farmland like there's a reason for that and uh if you think he doesn't have the long game in, in mind then you're delusional
1: oh, you're a fucking an idiot yeah
0: exactly so it's like to me i'm like those things are are intimately linked in our, 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 what i consider like a predatory capitalist system in a lot of ways and it's really frustrating because I'm like that maybe, uh, production GDP bottom line, should not be the first priority when it comes to food and healthcare? Well, you see what I'm saying? Like if we just changed that, right. If you look at Japan, Japan isn't nearly as unhealthy as us. We spend the most money the most money on healthcare and have, what is it like the 35th healthiest country in the world? Like we're not like, like if you want to sit here and say America first, right. Trump loves saying that. I he sipped on 17 diet Cokes a day and ate KFC. Right. Like if you want to say America first, why would make America healthier? Right. Like yeah. if, you, if you're, if you're complaining totally about, great. if you're complaining about government spending and you're not talking about methods of and regulations that will put us in a situation where at least there's transparency, right? Where at least if you go buy a box of Twinkies, it has a label on it like a fucking cigarette pack does, right? Coca-Cola being like red dye number three causes X, Y, and Z on the fucking Coca-Cola box, right? And don't even get me started on fucking single use plastics because that is a whole thing. And Coca-Cola is one of the (laughs) biggest polluters on the fucking planet. And it drives me absolutely insane because it's like, why the fuck do you need that in a can, a bottle, put it in a can, put it in a can. Put water in a can. Liquid death does it and everybody loves them, <laughs> right? It's like, it's not that hard. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable. Plastic is not. It's garbage. <laughs> so like that whole thing pisses me sure. off too. That's also another product of capitalism that drives me crazy because the bottom line is more important than like what ends up in the fucking ocean. So these different things like that like drive You can have
1: you know, both, right? Like you can, yes. you can still be like push for capitalism and have some fucking concern for like what we're doing to our bodies and our health because it's so hidden from people too. Yes. Like, I, I, by nature, I say, I'm like, I'm a 38 year old toddler because I ask why to everything shit. <laughs> but <Yeah>. so many, <laughs> but dude, so many fucking people walk around just as sheep, right? Like we've seen this the past couple of years and they just, Oh, whatever my political party says, like, I, I'm definitely way more Republican than, than probably than you are. And I definitely, like, I still question the shit that like, I don't just say yes to everything as Republican, like, yeah, I, it, it, but so few people, and and then the single issue voters and everything else becomes a whole issue. But I I just don't know. And (laughs) and the whole, you know, healthcare takes up such a large portion of the GDP. And you started talking, you mentioned something earlier about type two diabetes, how people do it to themselves. And it's like,
0: that's a little bit reductionist. I I don't know if I'd say they actually do it. Like, I think that there's that people aren't educated at all diabetes
1: fact, right? So this, it, it all kind of circles back in together is like, people don't know this information. Like, again, I said, I'm lucky that I'm just a grown ass fucking toddler. And I ask questions about everything, but so many people don't. And yeah, that's their fault. And Maybe Darwin, but no, it doesn't turn into Darwinism because then we just take care of these people and we prolong their life. But the, but the quality of their life goes down the shitter, right? We're prolonging all of these people to live longer, but it's like, You're on 26 medications. Like you are, you, you're, you're in medicated survival. Like that's not living. That's medicated survival in my opinion. And, you know, diabetes annually costs the healthcare system with complications and hospitalizations and insulin and use and blah, 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 blah. You know, I can go on and on kidney kidney failure from a dialysis, retinopathy, retinal detachment. you know, all of these things that happen because of out of control diabetes. It's like $330 billion. Yeah diabetes costs the healthcare system a year. And largely, not. Ty- I want to be very clear, I'm talking about type two diabetes. When people come into my office and they say, oh, well, diabetes runs in my family. I'm like, no, shitty lifestyle choices run in yeah, family. Type
0: one diabetes can run in your family.
1: Different story. Different conversation. Yes, that's an autoimmune disease. Yeah. Very different conversation. Yeah. But most of, the, you know, type two diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes because we didn't see it. We're seeing it in like 11 year olds now. I think it's younger than just, that. They yeah. are- they're so fucking overweight. And I do not believe as someone who has been through that struggle with like becoming way too obsessed about how they look. Weight is one measure of health. It is not the measure of health. You can be a twig and you can have really nasty biomarkers. Let me be really fucking clear. Oh, 100%. About but yeah. This, but this whole body positivity thing with you can be 300 pounds and five foot and be healthy. I'm sorry. At some point, that's going to bite you in the ass. You may be okay now, but your body can only compensate for for so long. And You know, these healthcare costs that are coming from all of these issues that we're just placating because we're seeing it now. And Sal, I think, mentioned something like this on on their podcast about how we're going to see wokeism go into um, health next and health and fitness. And I saw a clip from an episode of Grey's Anatomy, who's become like the wokest of the woke, which I hate because I, I was old enough to watch the first episode in my dorm room but they started talking about the BMI and the BMI is not a great measure, right? It's, I, it's not. I want to
0: jump in here though, because I think I had this argument with someone else. They were talking about BMI and I was like, BMI for children I think is actually good. Pre prepubescent pubescent kids. I think it actually can be a good marker because you don't have the same amount of muscle mass, a different thing. Like it's, it, it, you're a little, like even the difference between boys and girls at that age is like, like I think, you know, like it's pretty straightforward. Whereas like, you can find an NFL player that has like a body fat percentage of like 18% a male who has a BMI of like 34, but they're fitter than, so it's not a good measure. Like I'm still, I'm overweight based on BMI. I weigh 225 pounds. So it's like, I'm, so I'm like a, like in the overweight category, but it's like, yeah, if I weigh 200 pounds, I feel like I'm about to blow away in the wind. Like, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a thick bitch. You know what I'm saying? And so I think for certain populations, BMI can be a decent measure of, of, of at least like body composition. But once hormones get introduced and like testosterone, like we talked about earlier, then things start to change. Like as 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 teenagers, like later teenagers and adults, like I think that 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 the BMI ends up being like not a very valid measure at all. So I just wanted to make that, because yeah. I, no, I, 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 I had a debate with somebody about that one time. I think it was somebody that actually talked about essential carbohydrates too. And I was like, that doesn't exist. But anyways, go ahead.
1: No, I think that's a really interesting point. I never thought about that in kids. Um, but I just see so much negativity. Like I, you don't have to weigh yourself in my practice beyond your first visit, unless it's really medically relevant, right? Like, do you have heart failure? Do you have some type of fluid retention disease? Because the only thing that I hear come out of it is negativity from people. Yeah. People. And I would so, like, and Sal and those guys, they talk. this, this subtitle. Of this episode should be O to Sal, O, o to Sal, because we've mentioned him like six times now. Yeah, so, right. um, but they, they talk about this, like, and this is, where I developed this concept is like, you don't see people who focus on their health, who also don't have a decent aesthetic appearance. Yes. Like aesthetics is not my goal anymore. Like I, yeah. Do I want to look good? Yes. I would be lying if I said, if I said otherwise, like, yeah, I just don't care what I look like. That's bullshit. Like it just is, but I will never sacrifice my aesthetics for my health. That is my main focus at this point. And I'm probably never going to be a disturbingly overweight or like knock on wood disease ridden person because of that. And I just don't understand how that has become a controversial statement in 2020, 2021 and 22. Like wh- how did we get here that like I can be demonized and like deplatformed for saying like, you know, we should maintain a relatively health, like somewhat of a healthy weight, you know, bell curve, you know, yeah. somewhere in
0: there. Well, and I think it's there is some it frustrates me with the body positivity thing because I think there was a certain there was certain just like most things, right? Like you, you like like there's things that Black Lives Matter said that had a point, right? Like black communities and poor communities. And I think it's more of a class issue than a race issue. I think it's a race issue as well, because there's lingering effects of overtly racist policies. I mean, to this day, you can get 10 times the, uh, you can get 10. Like it's like people are like systemic racism doesn't exist. Say like conservatives love saying that, right? I'm like, you can get 10 times the sentence uh, for crack cocaine than you can for the same amount of of cocaine, I mean, of cocaine. So crack is a 10 times greater sentence. That is clearly focused at one Group of people, right?
1: Really? I, think, I don't know anything about.
0: So that's though. what I'm saying. Like the, the the legal system has still has remnants of that. I mean, even the the, the criminalization of marijuana was it was focused at the black people, and the and the criminalization of psychedelics was focused at white hippies. Right. So it's like, there's, there's things that there's lingering effects. So I think that like, to say that systemic racism doesn't exist, I think is, is silly. Um,
1: so wait, do like what the difference between crack and cocaine? Like yeah. I know nothing about drugs. I'm a moron. Um, so does one race of people tend to use one or the other? I don't know the, I don't, okay, so I don't you know about this. Think so. about
0: like, do you watch breaking bad? I didn't watch it, but like, do you know what it's about? Not right. Enough so know. you yeah, got to think know it's about it, math. It, this is very, this is, there's certainly outliers. Um, White people, meth. Poor white people usually. Poor black people crack. Oh, Wealthier okay. people, what well, people that have means of any race, cocaine.
1: Cocaine. same thing. Okay, that makes that okay. Uppers. See, I think I knew that, but it didn't.
0: Crack is cocaine mixed is with baking soda, baking soda, and like heat it up into a way it makes it into like a rock, so you can use a little bit of cocaine, and it does like it makes it a. It's a very so speedy like poor up.
1: man's cocaine.
0: It's like poor man's cocaine in the same way that meth is kind of like, you can make it out of like in a bathtub, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever it is. Um, Jesus Christ. But it's kind of the same, de- okay, it's the same so that deal. Makes but, sense. Okay. So yeah, so you're saying like cocaine and crack, it's like one's made from the other, but it's like one has a 10 times greater sentence because it was targeted at a certain place. Also knowing that Ronald Reagan, oh, wow. Ronald Reagan was allowing cocaine to be put into these black communities and turned into crack to fuel the, 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 the Contras. <laughs> so it's like to, to, fight a, to fight a ghost war, oh. a, black, a black ops war, um, so it's a whole there's a whole lot going on there. So there's like a lot of things you have to admit. And it's like Black Lives Matter had a point in the way that there's like there's there's criminalization, there's still like lingering effects, right? But the the extent that they went to was absurd, right? It was like this is makes like like everything is racist now, right? If it's like if it doesn't fit in this category, I mean, it was in critical race theory it got really super weird. And I think the same thing happened with a body positivity movement, right? It's like, yeah, there's a difference in like you don't have to look like you to be fit. Right. And some women, Correct. especially, and I think Correct. it's mostly focused towards women, right? Because this is, this is a become a, a women focused thing. It's like some women, there's a thick bitch, right? Like you'd be yeah. a, like a big woman, like especially in black women have like are known to be like voluptuous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even look at like black just, athletic women, like uh, Serena Williams, for example, like it versus versus Anna Kornikova, like body type. Yep. Like they're both incredibly, yep. like incredible athletes, incredible athletes in completely different body types, right? So I think there's a place to be like, hey, right. like, you can be like Tyra Banks when she's not in model shape for is a good example. She's like a bigger, she probably weighs 170 pounds. You know, she's what six foot tall and she's like a curve, of a, a vivacious curvy yeah. woman. And people would call her fat. Right. That's like, that's not appropriate. But then you go, then you go to where like, what was that self magazine? Who had a woman on there that was like 380 pounds. And like, this is the new he- picture of health. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You went too far. Cause you had a point you had a point that women uh, based on their bodies got shamed and whatever else over things that like having a little bit of cellulite or having, you know, like, like silly it's little shit, normal, yeah, like normal shit. Yeah. Right. Like or having like a, you know, having thick legs, which women do hold more weight in their legs than men do. And it's like, you know, it's also, one other, yeah, it is what it is. Right. <laughs> but it's like that that's different than saying that, like something that is clearly correlated with all these health issues is by definition, not healthy. Right. You can be like, you yeah. can, you can, ha- you can have a thick ass. And be like, yeah, I'm like, I'm feeling myself you know what I mean? without being like morbidly obese. Yeah. And even the term like morbidly obese is like not even a term anymore. They like took the term away. It's like, what are we, what are we talking about here? Like we've now, and it's like, that's, and especially during the COVID time, cause a lot of this stuff has happened at the same time. It's like, that is the number one correlate aside from age. So it's a number two, but in every yes. other population, it was the number one correlate with adverse events from this disease. So what do we, what do you think you're doing here? Like, what is the point?
1: Dude, I, every single day, like we get, we get updates every week about, you know, the the age population and, um, if they're vaccinated or if they're not, and I'm like, you guys are missing like some of the most important factors. And I literally just, I never did this. And now that like things are quote unquote dying off, knock on wood. I swear to God, if another fucking variant comes out of the woodwork, I'm going to like lose my sanity. I think they just, just tied Fauci up
0: and them. threw him, threw him in a situation room under the white house. And he's just there now. No one knows where Fauci <laughs> is. He's in <MIA>. my, <laughs> They need to send him to Ukraine. I just
1: can't. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Please. Like how, how I just I have so many questions. I'm gonna about I'm
0: gonna have one of our editors like, splice his face onto the videos of uh of or the photos of of uh the Ukrainian president with the plate carrier on, on the front lines. We're gonna do that. We're gonna make that, we're gonna put that meme out today.
1: Do it. Oh my god, I'm gonna fucking die. It's
0: like the war that everybody um, wants.
1: <laughs> yes. But it it like how. Like, I'm sorry, how, how have you existed over the past two years and you still have any trust in three letter organizations? I said this at work the other day. I was like, you think, you think an FDA, you think FDA approval means fucking shit to me? And they get like,
0: 60% of their funding from pharmaceutical companies, 45 to 60, yeah, so, like excuse it's, me. It's
1: it's all fucking corrupt. It's, it it's just, uh, it, it literally, it, it pains me think you know, the other point that I was thinking about earlier with like the corruption of the pharmaceutical companies when we were talking about like birth control and reproductive um, health and fertility and things like this is it's like, I, I had a girl on my podcast and she was talking about how she's like, I honestly think it's just a corrupt circle. Like we suppress everything, we suppress all these problems and then they need fertility treatment and then their pregnancies don't go well and we have to like force them to induce and all this shit. And it's just a whole huge fucking corrupt circle. And I'm like, maybe it is. And there's like, a medical bill. there's a, a medical
0: bill every step of the way
1: there is. And it's like, you know, people want to, you know, I ride in in a lot of circles of just health and wellness. And, um, I, I really go towards that side instead of these conventional gynecologists who want to just like uphold the birth control pill as like this golden egg. And I'm like, you know, what isn't women empowerment because that's what they like put the birth control pill on this pedestal. Like this is empowered women. Cool. Yeah, I agree. Like sexual freedom. Like I used it. I get it. Like I didn't want to be pregnant when I was in my early twenties either. I get it. But also, you know what else is women empowerment? Giving them some actual fucking answers and educating them about what the hell is happening in their body with their hormones and teaching them how to have a healthy menstrual cycle instead of telling them they need to be static because their hormones are too complicated. That is women empowerment to me, not saying here, take this pill and shut down the hormones that make you female.
0: So when it comes to the menstrual cycle, right, which I don't really know much about um personally, but uh apparently men can have periods now. Uh I saw that on Oh Instagram fuck, don't day. start me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't. You don't need to go there. Um <laughs> well we can touch the third rail, but I think we have more productive conversations to be had. So what are things <laughs> that are within the menstrual cycle cuz actually surprisingly or not, a large part of my audience is female. Um uh, most people in the Patreon Wait. are female too, like 60 or 70%. Uh What are things within a menstrual cycle that are considered abnormal that are actually normal?
1: I love this question. (laughs) Good. Um, So I guess let me break down what is normal in a menstrual cycle. So for definition, your menstrual cycle is the first day that you bleed until the last day before the onset of your next menses when you bleed. So the average um, normal menstrual cycle for um, reproductive years for a woman is anywhere between 24 and 36 days for Women, um, girls who have just started their period, we call that menarche, through the first two years, the average time frame for that is 21 to 46 days because their follicles take longer to develop because their anterior pituitary isn't pumping out follicle-stimulating hormone at a faster rate, so it takes them longer to develop um, a primary follicle to to ovulate, So that is a normal duration of a menstrual cycle. The average amount, the average length of a period is going to be three to seven days with the average being five. The average amount of blood loss is 30 to 80 milliliters. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have a dark red color to your period blood, not a lot of clotting, not light brown, um, dark brown, black, purple, lots of clots and signify a lot of issues. A little bit of cramping can be normal with your period, a little bit of discomfort. Um, Anything that makes you stay home from things that you want to do or interferes with the ability that you want to live your life is not fucking normal. Crying out of nowhere is not normal. Cramps that make you down and are not solved with like a couple of tabs of ibuprofen or Tylenol. That is not normal. Um, It has become normalized in our society. And that is the reason that we have thrown the birth control pill at women to shut them up um, about their period problems. And it's it's just complete and utter chaos to me that we that we still do this. Like the birth control pill was created in 1950. How do we not have better solutions at this point? And why aren't we talking to women about how vitamin deficiencies and exercise and sleep and all of these things that can really, really improve a menstrual cycle? Like th- those conversations aren't being had. My colleagues look at me like I'm a fucking lunatic, but you know what? I fix things.
0: Yeah. 1,000%. <laughs> uh, and that's so uh, I want to keep kind of stay in this vein here. So with those things that you say that like the the, the different uh, abnormal bleeding, cramping, things like that, what generally, and, and no, normally when it comes to nutrition health, there are a couple of like, there's usually low hanging fruit, right? There's like a most likely cause. And there's a lot, usually a lot of correlates there and a lot of through lines, depending on what it And, and they yeah. may manifest in different ways, right? What are some of the most, the primary things that are causing those abnormalities?
1: Oh, I love this question. So um, it depends is... Again, it's like, I don't want to, I'm going to go into more detail, but it depends on every woman. It depends on their abnormalities and it depends on what those problems look like for them. But one of the biggest problems that we see for a lot of women is lower testosterone, high estrogen, low progesterone, one or, or, or multiples of those. So one of the biggest issues with, um, estrogen is the way that we metabolize it. So one of the main processes that um, estrogen is metabolized through our liver, and it prefers one of three pathways, and it's either um, gets turned into a 2-hydroxy, 4-hydroxy, or 16-hydroxy. I'm getting really technical here, but stick with me. Yeah. Um, So a lot of that process happens in the liver. And so supporting your liver health is so, so important. So low-hanging fruit to improve your menstrual cycle cut the booze for 90 days and see what happens. Seriously. If you're drinking more than two glasses a week, fucking cut it out and see what happens because estrogen also, um, alcohol actually creates more estrogen in our body, raises your body temperature, creates sleep issues, the whole nine yards. Um, but that two hydroxy pathway is what we want to prefer. The four hydroxy, um, tends to prefer, can prefer cancer a little bit more 16 hydroxy, Um, is more proliferative. So think like good for the bones, bad for the boobs, right? So like that's when you get like breast tenderness, fibroids, things that grow when we really don't kind of want them to. So like (laughs) breast cysts, variances, like you don't want that type of breast growth, okay? Mm -hmm. Like that's not what you want. Like when I restarted my period after like being on birth control, like if you looked at my fucking boobs, it hurt. Like I swear to God, it was the worst thing ever.
0: Kelly (laughs) was like that that with the the IVF hormones. Her boobs were like... I like accidentally oh, I accidentally like bumped into her tit and she was like writhing in pain. I was <laughs> like, Oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was an accident. Uh, Cause I was like I was mean like I, I as like I don't know if you're guy does this or not, but I like, I like grab her tits all the time. Like, that's like a thing that I do. Just, I just, I was a poker in the nipple. I don't know. It's just, like, that's just what yeah. I do. And it's just like, I'm also like a 12 year old boy. I'm like boobs. Yay. Like boobs. You are guys great.
1: never grow out of that 12 year old stage where you're just no, like boobs. grabbing nipples and ass all the time. Boobs, yeah, And it's,
0: it's also just... like, I never was able to do that as a kid. I just had to like watch it on, you know, if, I, if was, if it was like a, a rated R movie on, I could maybe see a titty or two. Yeah. Um, but so now... yeah, now I'm just like, there's there, yeah, so... uh, titties in abundance everywhere. <laughs>
1: That 16-hydroxy pathway, good good for the bones, bad for the boobs. So something that women can do also is really supporting your liver health. I will see this um, time and time again if they cut the booze, they're eating more cruciferous vegetables, um, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli, I'm really supportive of that process, and also increase the amount of glutathione that we're making, um, and that it's an anti powerful antioxidant, right? Anti-inflammatory properties. So if we can if we can shift the estrogen to a better pathway which if we have better liver health we're going to do that we're going to decrease the uh, you know the amount of estrogen that we're pushing down poor pathways and we're going to have less breast pain, less likely to grow ovarian cysts and fibroids and those types of things. Um, three things that I love and always, this is not medical advice. This is general information. NAC. So N-acetyl is what we give people for Tylenol reversals in large doses, but it is very good for liver health, um, helps produce more glutathione as well. Um, vitamin E and milk thistle, um, And then there's also um, Inositol, which is great for ovarian health. But if you're on anything for depression or anxiety, you 100% need to talk to your doctor about that supplement. But that's a really big... To me, that's a low-hanging fruit. Like I quit drinking a while back because I just decided that it didn't serve me anymore. And I was never a big drinker. but so, and it's been easy for me my whole life to just be like, I'll go a couple months without drinking. And now it's been 11 and I'm like, whatever. I don't fucking care if I ever see it again at this point. It's just where, yeah. it's just where I am. I'm not saying, I'm not saying everyone else has to do that, but if you're having period problems and you're having issues and you're unwilling to give up booze for a couple of months, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, I, I had a woman who came in the other day and she's drinking like a half a bottle of wine a night. I'm like, that's a fucking problem. Dude. Yeah. So that's a huge low hanging fruit for me um eating lots of fruits and vegetables um I don't care if it's frozen I don't care if it's canned like obviously like fresh is always best but it doesn't have to you know you can you can get it different ways um that's going to cost people a little bit of money but also sleep um sleep is free like I said earlier <sighs> yeah. stress, a lot of stress management can be really cheap um sitting and meditating putting your feet in the ground um for reducing c- cortisol um those are some of the lowest hanging ones, but supporting the liver is definitely the more that I learn about the menstrual cycle for people who want another resource. Nicole Jardim is an amazing human. And I think she knows the most about the menstrual cycle of any human being that I've ever met. <laughs> I actually paid to take her course. Um, she's, she's incredible. The more that I learn about the menstrual cycle, the more I'm like, I just want to support my liver. Like that's literally where it's at.
0: Damn. I makes but that makes so much sense. Not that I don't yeah, ever, it's I don't- also
1: where you're, um, it's also where your thyroid hormone is converted. So T3 is the most active form of your thyroid hormone. Um, So T4 gets converted into T3 in your liver. So if you have shitty liver function, we see so many women, like why do so many women have thyroid problems, but we have not, I can't find anything that talks about the link between female productive health and hypothyroidism. Yeah. But there's a huge tie between low progesterone and hypothyroidism. Um, Low progesterone tends to occur in women who have too much estrogen, which goes back to the liver. So I'm like, you have thyroid issues, you have period issues, support your freaking liver, start there. I mean, those supplements, you can get a month's worth of those supplements for 30 to 50 bucks uh, or three months worth. So that's to me, I mean, I know everybody makes different amounts of money, but you know, t- for three months worth of a supplement that's going to make a big difference in your health for the medical bills that you could be seeing from that 50 to hundred bucks. To me, I consider that a low hanging fruit. Maybe that's like the privilege in me. I don't
0: know. Just stop know? being poor. are <laughs> <Hold> yourself up <laughs> by <laughs> your bootstraps.
1: Go, like go, go do some DoorDash. <laughs>
0: yeah. You should work go 60 hours, hours a week.
1: Part, motherfuckers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was going to say, oh, okay. so So say you're in this category, right? Like you're in your 20s female, whatever, or early thirties, whatever, where you're like at risk of being pregnant, but you don't want to take birth control. Okay. Yeah. So you don't get knocked up. What options are there for you and except, you know, having having whatever dude spray out on the outside?
1: Yeah. So the pullout method is actually 88% effective. Fun fact. 88% um,
0: doesn't so seem pretty, enough effective. That's like one out of so, every five.
1: <laughs> but listen, if a chick is not taking her oral contraceptives, like if she's late one day, that goes down to what we call typical use. So typical use of birth control, 88% effective. Perfect use, 98% effective. Okay. Um, I, IUDs are over 99% effective. There's hormonal and non-hormonal IUDs. It, it depends on the woman. So like, am I going to try to I love fertility awareness methods. So teaching a woman about her cervical mucus and basal body temperature and learning to to test her ovulation, like ovulation strips and things like that. Yeah. Um, You know, that's what I have spent a year becoming educated about how to do that. And I want to bring that to my company. I'm in the middle of like developing a proposal to bring this to conventional medicine. So not only does it empower women and teach women about their bodies, but it's also a form of birth control. You can use it to track I use it just to track my overall health because like I said, he snipped, I don't gotta worry about it, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, which I mean that really is the best case scenario. Like just I mean sorry, but the risk for dudes is totally lower than the women taking like
0: 1,000, 1, percent <laughs> and you can reverse vasectomy. Too, you,
1: you can. Yeah. Most of the time.
0: They so, do, I don't know why they um, just don't have like a temporary clamp in there. I don't know why they don't <laughs> have that as a, th- as an option. It's like, I, I would have done that. I would rather do that to my, I would rather do that to my like 18 year old son than I would give my 14 year old daughter birth control pills. You know what I mean? Bless your soul, dude. I, that, doesn't that make um, more sense? It, like it's like, like I know what it's like to not have. You guys are
1: fertile all the time. I know, like, and, and you exactly guys are fertile. all
0: is, the time. But then we're like, fertile like, well, six days a month, we're making they're making male. Birth, they had like they did these trials on male birth control, and it just turned them into like women basically. And I'm like, it's the same thing. It's doing the same thing. Like it's like neither one of these are don't don't do the same thing to a different gender. Like let's well, right. if genders <laughs> if you believe genders exist, but it's like you know uh, what do they call it? Like let's just call them like uh, what would you call a dude without saying a dude. Uh, uh, an ejaculator. <laughs> what do they say? Because they call them birthing persons, right? Or breastfeeding persons.
1: I can't. Chest, feeders. Uh,
0: chest, chest feed, feeders. Chest feeders. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it's not breasts. It's chest. Yeah. I get it. Um, no, but I'm like, that makes, I would rather do like a temporary vasectomy on my son than I would do give my daughter birth yeah. control. And if that was an option, you know what I mean? If it was just like a, yeah. like a, it was not cut them, but like clamp and put a little, put a little vice grip on there. There should be
1: a plug that you can undo. Like when you, you guys should we're, just come born. We're onto shit. something.
0: When that becomes a thing, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and I'll be like,
0: let's, 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 let's EUA we this bitch. We that first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Things that really need EUA. Exactly. Um, but fertility awareness methods are an option. They have zero side effects. They are ninety eight percent effective when they are done perfectly, same as the birth control pill. Yeah, the non hormonal IUD can be an option for people if they don't want hormones. It still does. Um, it can still mess with some things. You know, it still has side effects. Like um, it does create a little bit more inflammatory cervical fluid. Um, it can cause heavier periods. I've had you know, you have your vagus nerve that runs from your brain all the way down to your, to your, your sacrum. And for some women, when they get an IUD put in, it touches that in the wrong way at their cervix. And they just have like really, really uncontrollable anxiety because it messes Mm. with their tone of their vagus nerve. Um, and you you go to a conventional medicine doctor and they'll tell you you're fucking crazy. And, but that is actually, I mean, it's true. It's, they'll it's fix just, it with
0: antipsychotics. Don't worry, uh, we have a drug for that. <laughs>
1: right, right. I mean, it's just, but I mean, we laugh about it, but that's literally what happens to women yeah. who are put on the birth control pill. And most women don't even report birth control as a medication. And I'm like, whoa. So my medical assistant, you know, who I've trained amazingly, and she's phenomenal. Every every woman gets asked, do you, ta- do, you do you use any type of contraception? Like I need to know because, and I would say probably 50% of women do not report it unless they are asked, which is crazy. Like it, your was, doctor needs to fucking know you're on that.
0: Was it you the other day that shared this? And if it wasn't, I'm curious if you know anything about this, like what the, what tampons and latex condoms can do as far as like bacteria balance within a woman, like th- things like this. that's also something yeah. that I think people don't discuss very often. Um, no, it was somebody, it was, so, a, it was another was fit. Me. It was another, It was another fit chick that I've had friends with. <laughs> <laughs> she's, yeah, younger so though, that but she's like, me. yeah, she's, a, she's an OPEX person who does like, who's very focused on like women and being able to train on their periods. And like, I'll send you her profile. You'll like her a lot.
1: Is it Brianna lamb? No. Okay. So I don't know too much about, um, tampons, but I know that tampons are cotton is a very highly pesticided crop. Right. So like I've switched, once I learned all this stuff, like I switched to menstrual cup, it yeah. does involve you to get, it, like require you to get very involved in your stuff and like, be like sticking your fingers up your vagina. Like it, and you get blood on you and it c- it's,
0: the, it, the 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 concept the concept grosses me the fuck out and I feel bad that it does because like there was one I like I was in someone's house and it was like one sitting out and I was like Ugh. Um, but it's like but I I'm also like so supportive of it even though I'm just like it makes me a little queasy because it's I think it's just it's just like naturally that I'm like I, blood doesn't freak me out but like you know even periods don't freak me out but that cup for whatever reason like kind of, I'm like how does this thing work and then somebody explained it and I was like, <laughs> like I know
1: my poor boyfriend I just like leave ours hanging out in my shower well, the, like,
0: well the same the girl blood. that I was telling talking about that that ch- something she shared a, uh i'm sure you've seen this like reel or tiktok or whatever it was like a guy taking a shot out of one of them have you seen this <laughs> I haven't and somebody like no. came around he the, the corner me. and he was like taking a shot taking shots of jack daniels out of the, the, the menstrual cup and i was like oh my god it was so disgusting i was like that's that's
1: hilarious that's too
0: much i'll, I'll find it and send it to you but um but yeah i think there's like even but, yeah, little like, things like things things, that like women man. get the short end of, women get fucked so poor <laughs> so badly in this whole situation it's like when you got to carry we the do. kid. Your vagina rips open when it comes out, if you don't get a C-section, um, you have to take birth control. You've got to deal with the tampon, chemical, whatever the fuck. Like it's Warfare. Otherwise you have, you know, you use a menstrual cup and like you said, the gruesome uh, reality that is the menstrual cup. It's like a fuel and people are like, man, I'm like, I didn't do this. I didn't design this. If I would have designed it, it would have been a little bit more balanced. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's what I'm saying. Yes. I think that we need a reversible uh, temporary vasectomies for teenage boys. That's the move. 100% you know? But
1: yeah, a lot of, a lot of things can fuck with the pH of the vagina, which can cause infections and things. So like, please don't douche, please don't use anything that says fucking pH bounced on it. Like that's going to mess with your cervical fluid. And when that happens, then we get things like bacterial vaginitis. So that's like a fishy smell, trichomoniasis, yeast infections. So yeah, you don't need to like, the vagina is really like a self-cleaning mechanism. Like it really cleans itself well. Like, listen, like wipe yourself, clean yourself. But like, you don't need to be using anything pH balanced. Like even if you just use water, like, you know, really sensitive soap, like you don't need to be cleaning that area with like anything super intensive. So douches um, aren't necessary County, then. Fuck no, that shit will mess you up. Yeah. Drop your douche. Yeah. No, drop
0: drop it. your douche, douche. Drop
1: your douche. <laughs> Please call the episode, the episode title Drop Your Douche. Drop your d-
0: <laughs> it might be now. <laughs> oh my I'm, god I'm so
1: ridiculous
0: oh it is um, but you gotta have fun with it you know it's funny because it's true
1: yeah i mean so you know i, I don't i don't know where, where you want to go with this next but i mean I, there are there are some recommendations that I can make to women in addition. So Nicole Jardim who I mentioned is a great resource. Her book Fix Your Period, The Fifth Vital Sign by um, Lisa Lisa Hendrickson Jack, amazing amazing. I think every woman at the age of 13 should get this book. I learned all of this stuff after I was a PA for 2 years. Like I was 33 34 when I learned about a lot of this stuff. Um, and I was just like how how don't I know this? <laughs> like I, I have an advanced medical degree. Like what the fuck, man? Like they don't teach this stuff in PA school and I found myself saying over the past couple of years, like this is an institutional level problem. And what I mean by that is our doctors don't know. So when I, when, when women go into their gynecologist to their GP and they're told I use a fertility awareness method, what they're told is you better take a prenatal cause that's how you get pregnant. And it's like, this is not the rhythm method, bitch. Like this is not what your grandma did in 19 fucking 20 and 19 fucking 30. Like this is completely different. Like the science and the technology, the fem tech behind all of this stuff um, is, is incredible. And you know, I think women are really waking up in in small amounts to this stuff, mm. and maybe it's just like my secluded little corner of the internet, and I just like you know everything that I see is you know asking questions and pro-informed consent. Because I'm not anti-birth control. Like I said, I've I've used birth control. I used the pill really in a pro. Like I don't know how I never got pregnant when I was younger because I fucking was not taking that shit right. Um, <laughs> like thank God there's not like a little Danielle fucking running around somewhere because I like fuck that shit up. <laughs> um, <laughs> not okay like not okay Danielle I wonder why I was having crying fits in college like this yeah. is why cuz you were taking your birth you were fucking with your hormones another good resource is your brain on birth control by Dr. Sarah Hill she's a PhD researcher um and it she literally breaks down like all of the effects in the body that happen just have you ever heard the the stripper study? No. No, but you want I've, to right? I've
0: studied a stripper or two in my life.
1: <laughs> there was a study performed where um they took all all different types of women, whether they were ovulating um, and on birth control or I'm sorry, not on birth control, obviously, whether they were not ovulating and not on birth control or whether they were on birth control and different points in their cycle. And so they were all strippers and they studied to see who made the most money, right? Yeah. So... The chicks who were ovulating and obviously weren't on birth control made way more money than the other chicks who weren't because of the pheromones that like dudes know when you're fertile, like they just,
0: dude, it's so, it's, if you're, if you, if you have any, one of the best benefits of mindfulness practice was like just being a little more present in my uh, body and communication with women or just people in general. But like, was that you could just tell when you could just like, you could feel it. It's like a feeling. It's like, it's, 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 there's certain things like, um, you know, when you drink bone broth or eat bone marrow and like your body's like, Oh yeah. Like that's, that's the good, good right there. It's like that, but more, um, it's like that feeling of like, Oh, this is a, this is like the right thing to it turns. It changes you. It's like a different as a man. It's like, like you, you kind of like perk up and it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird deal.
1: It's fucking biology, dude. Yeah. Like that's how that shit works. It's called evolution. Like Yeah. the women like women have a higher libido when they're when they are when they're in their fertile window. That's just even if you don't want to procreate, like that's your body. Yeah. So yeah, she talks about all kinds of stuff like that in that book and she's an amazing amazing resource as well. Um all of these women, Dr. Carrie Jones, um, she was the medical director of precision analytical who is uh which was the dutch test she works for someone else now i can't remember i think it's rupa health i don't know much about that um that system but i have been fortunate enough to be in contact with these like very bright intelligent women who have noticed the word like the things that i'm talking about and like i get to pick their brains and i'm Mm. like i'm so fucking honored to like be able to like message nicole and be like hey, I'm just curious. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like, I'm like, are you going to start charging me? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because like, I mean, I've learned so... I mean, we joked before we started about like, are, do you just have an Instagram degree? Like, I don't. But like, I have learned so much from the women that I have come into contact with through social media, who are legit human beings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, That it, it's... I know social media gets a lot of hate, but like for me, it has been... So eye opening and such a positive thing, and and I mean, there's obviously negatives too. I get too wrapped, I, I get too wrapped up in telling off conventional gynecologists sometimes, and
0: it, it, it that is that is a big twist. part of your brand. What's Tell, that? Telling off conventional gy- gynecologists. That's like what all your reels it are. Is. It cracks, they cracked me up. That's a, somebody sent me one of those, and I was like, oh, that's when I started following you. So here we are. Yeah,
1: like it, yeah, I fucking I I can't with that conversation, so I I can't get myself too involved in that. But I think it's important. Like yeah. there's there's so much work to be done, and that's why. I'm coming full circle. I'm kind of squirreling right now. But I started to say that this is an institutional level problem and that's why I start I've I've started to contact universities and I'm like, Hi, you don't know that you need me in your program, but
0: you <laughs> what do. You do? <laughs> I'm glad I just taught at the to... University
1: of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> their PA students. That'd be fun. I was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going for it. And, well,
0: and why not? not right. Cause they're, they're going to ask good questions because the, the information is fresh in their mind and they're still like malleable and they haven't dug themselves in yet. So that's like the appropriate place right. I feel like to meet people, but especially people that are curious. And that's one thing I love about the audience that this podcast brings up and then, and, and politically homeless too, is like, it's just curious people want to figure things out. Yeah. And we're going to link to all those, all those books and everything you listed. We'll link to those in the show notes. Uh, where is. the hell can everybody find you? Yeah, especially if somebody, so especially if somebody wants Instagram. to work with you. So somebody wants to work with you, that's that Send them there first.
1: So I'm not, I'm, I don't take like clients virtually right now. Someday maybe oh, it's lame. getting there. I know it's, but listen, I, I, I have a, I have a consolation prize. So, um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Danielle.kepix K E P I C S is my last name. I am starting a business. that's called empowered medicine. Um, and I'm going to be selling modules to educate people about all of this stuff, how to talk to your doctors to get answers. Um, I have a couple of the modules like ready to sit down and record, but like I've said, it's been, it's been a really crazy start to 2020. So second half of March, look f- the beginning of April, mid April for those things to, um, to, to, to be coming out and available for sale. I, I do have my own podcast. It's called strong and unfiltered. It is on every major platform. You can find me there. Um, I'm, I'm pretty interactive, so get at me.
0: You can also find her in the politically homeless Patreon.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: All right, dude. This has been really, really fun. Thanks for sharing this. Wow. I didn't think I'd be talking about periods for two hours, but we mixed some other stuff in there too. And definitely <laughs> everybody go find, go find Danielle and, um, ditch your douche.